This episode of Watch Out for Firewalls is brought to you by my brand new project, Cassette Goblin Magazine. That's right, I am starting a zine. It's a like a love letter to B-movies and contains illustrations and reviews and commentary and miscellaneous and jokes and jokes and jokes and jokes. It is a high-quality, sturdy zine that is going to be available in physical and PDF form each month, and I ship internationally. The first month is all about one of my favorite movies, the Running Man uh, with Arnold Schwarzenegger. So get on over to patreon.com slash cassette goblin and check out what I have on offer. And as a quick note, uh, duck feed and watch out for fireballs are not going anywhere. Uh, Cole and I are both branching out and starting new projects because we both have things that we're passionate about in addition to games, things we really want to do. Uh, this is something that we're doing in addition to duck feed, not instead. And if these new projects sound like something you're interested in, we'd love your support. But don't feel like we're making you choose between these new projects and watch out for fireballs. Watch out for fireballs not going anywhere. Uh, we appreciate the support that people give DuckFeed. Um, we just contain multitudes and we need venues for our other interests. So thank you again. That's uh, patreon.com slash cassette goblin. And now on to Penumbra. Ah, Spider-Man, before you deliver me to the police like an arrestable arrangement, you have to tell me why. Why do you do what you do? Well, it all started with advice from my Uncle Ben. Now listen, Peter. With great power comes great responsibility. Ah, fart off, old man. I'm off to stay poon behind the box wine emporium and play Game Gear. No, no, listen to me. I wasn't finished. It's also important that you eat lots of spiders. Huh? Yes, that's the secret to my longevity. I've had over four heart attacks, and you don't see me slow down for a minute. Even at crosswalks. Find spiders and eat them, Peter. You better start making sense, geezer, before me and Aunt May steal your life alert and push you down the stairs. One spider each day. Eat them until your tongue grows fat and envenomed. At first, you won't like it. It's it's exoskeletons, you see. Tough on the uh, the soft teeth up front, you know. But eventually... You'll, you'll change and you'll grow. In fact, you'll even develop a taste for them. Huh, so if I eat these spiders, you'll make me the sole beneficiary in your will. I didn't say that. Too late now, Dustbones. I'm a notary. Stamp. And that is how I became the amazing Spider-Man. You're a dick. Spider-Man, Spider-Man, does whatever a spider can. <laughs> This is Gary Butterfield. This is Cole Ross. 
And you're listening to Watch Out for Fireballs. It is a Games Club podcast. And this week we are talking about Penumbra Overture, which is a survival horror game developed by Frictional Games and published by Paradox Interactive for the PC in 2007. God, that was a long time ago. Yeah. Yeah, more than 10 years ago. This game can vote in the Toddler Olympics, (laughs) where the the older kids get to choose what kids did toddle best. (laughs) Um, yeah, this is this is a this is the winner. This is the winner of our indie horror poll because this is the first episode of Indie Horror Month. Welcome to October. Hmm. I can hear a lot of theremin. I can hear that weird plucky sound where spiders are walking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's which is surprisingly hard to find audio of. <laughs> it's a it's, a it's a water phone. It's, it's either a water phone or pizzicato violin. I've I've uh, I've searched. <laughs> maybe maybe there's been advancements since I was trying to find it. For an episode of Dead Idea Valhalla, in which I talked about trying to give my dad's girlfriend lice, uh, but I, 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 at the time I could not find it, which was was also like it was like you know six years ago, so um, you know six or seven years ago, so it's it's a uh, it's it's competing in the toddler Olympics, um yeah, so this is this is what you voted for, mm-hmm. uh, and and I'm happy you did because this is this is a good game. Yeah, I like this quite a shit. bit. Me too. I like this whole series. I played these before, but it was really a pleasure to revisit. So yeah, I, uh, um, I I'm thirsty for more of this. Actually, I I got to the end of this and I realized I never actually uh, played Black Plague or um, Requiem. Requiem. Yeah, I, I played I played the trilogy uh, when I was younger. Um, this is a little bit. So some people definitely prefer Black Plague. Black Plague. The plot gets a little bit more explained, and we'll we'll talk about this because this. Is like a uh, uh, the first like a to be continued. Yes, yeah, so this so, is this is absolutely a prologue. Like you are in the vestibule before the story. Overture. Yeah, <laughs> it, it's a uh, the uh, so you are you're in the vestibule before the story. There's questions that get asked here that don't get answered. Right. Um. So we we can kind of speak to that a little bit. Um. And the thing with uh, like Black Plague is extremely good. Um. There's one part of it that uh, so I guess if you're going to play it maybe I won't answer those questions because mm-hmm. it is it is fun to have it revealed like the overarching plot of these games is really I, cool. I, I already know the know, know the twist of it cuz when I was doing oh, okay. research on this so womp womp gotcha. yeah. so just so people know where this will contain spoilers for the series because mm-hmm. this is a kind of a you know it's part of a trilogy but the, the second one does this thing where there's a character named Clancy Mhm Oh, I'm Clancy <laughs> Yeah he's just like eh She's a good-looking broad, ain't she? <laughs> and it's it just like imagine playing, you know, a horror game like Amnesia. If you had a horny gargoyle on your shoulder <laughs> like the entire time, is what it feels like. Like just like, yeah, she's a good-looking broad. Too bad she got decomposed. <laughs> and it's just like constantly saying shit like that, like directly into your ear the entire game. And it is such a weird choice. Like, yeah, it makes sense. He's stuck in your head for a reason. Uh huh. You know, we we know what he is and everything. the The idea of making him quite like this avuncular boner is one of the weirdest decisions that a very respectable studio has ever made. I yeah. think, <laughs> like, it's just it's super weird. So it, it's a uh, Black Plague is good, and the Requiem has a, a a bad reputation, and it is not as cool, mm-hmm. but it has cool puzzles. So yeah. Um, yeah. So in this game, uh, you play as Philip, a professor who descends deep into a mine in Greenland in search of his father. Yes, he gets a letter from his father who he's never really known uh, and who also has been presumed dead for like 30 years. Yeah. yeah. And uh, his father's name is Howard because Howard Philip. Of because course. This is uh, HP Lovecraft. This is the HPL engine. <laughs> yep. which we'll talk about later. These, these guys are big fans. Yes. Um, so people who have played Amnesia, The Dark Descent, or have heard our episode about it, um, this is the kind of predecessor predecessor to that. Mm-hmm. Amnesia is a spiritual successor. 
So it is very similar. Um, there are some real notable differences, though. Yes. Uh, enough to make them, to my mind, like different, different enough to both be worth playing. Like, I don't think I would argue that this is better than Amnesia, but it's impressive in its own right and has its own charms. Yeah, like this is like this feels like the garage demo before. No, like this feels like the um, public access version of Wayne's World before they got taken to the to, you know to the big professional studio. Or like the, the short film version. Like this yeah, is the short yeah. film of Sling Blade, and then there's <laughs> the uh, the actual titular Blade. Yes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of interesting stuff going on in this. So like Amnesia, uh, there is a strong emphasis on stealth and pursuit that is here. Um, uh, you know, you are trying to run and hide and mostly stay above, uh, kind of waist level because the majority of your enemies are these mutated dogs that hunt you down. Yeah. Yeah. It, it has a very like homegrown feel to it. Yeah. Like those dogs specifically just feel very, uh, and, and something, I mean, this gets a little bit ahead of it, but it's the thing I noticed when playing it is like, so 2007, this whole idea of these kind of dogs and this pursuit is so was so influential mm-hmm. on on indie horror. Mm-hmm. So specifically, like this kind of uh, it feels very homemade in a way that like these fan SCP games kind of do now. Oh, 100%. you know, or like you know, Slender the Pages or whatever. Like all the, the the kind of wave of of these pursuit hiding based horror games all started here. Yeah, absolutely. I uh, mean, that is pegged to amnesia quite often um, because so many yeah. of them use that as the template, but like, this is, this is the wellspring from which that flowed, you know, especially yeah. the first person uh, kind of version of this, obviously before this, you had things like clock tower and haunting ground, you know, sure. by a couple, by a couple of years, but like, absolutely. This will feel immediately familiar to like anybody who has played a notable indie horror game released over the past decade. Well, and also like Haunting Ground and uh, Clock Tower were productions. Yes, you know that that, that were, they were things like you know maybe not like it's it's weird to use like triple A terminology when talking about something <laughs> as old as like Clock Tower, but yeah. it was it was meant to be realistic and kind of serious. This has that is the first game in that kind of series I think that uses jank mm-hmm. for for terror. Oh yeah, you know like the dogs' weird unnatural animations and such <laughs> are uh, a plus, not a minus. Yeah. Um, one of the things I was really excited about because I've I've almost completed all the stuff we're doing for this month is just how wide a gamut of stuff we're covering as far as tricks that this subgenre has used. Mm-hmm. You know, and this is such a great example of that. Like this fills in for for your slender of the pages and, and all that jazz. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And, no, you know, like, the branch of the tree. Yeah. Um, but it, it, it feels like any number of like the weird, Oh gosh. What, what is that weird unity engine kit bashes that happened? You know? Yeah. Like, yeah. Different asset collisions and things. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. In, in, in a good way too. Like yes. not again, like sometimes those are, most times those are shitty. Yeah. But the, uh, yeah. No, uh, those, so you, so you, those can be good. Like no, I, I don't use that as a derogatory term. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's just this. This is. Uh, I didn't think you were. I just wanted to clarify that. Like, when you do, when you compare something to like you know to it to a slender of the pages, it does feel like it's going to be like a cat grab, right, right, kind of thing. You know. Um. But uh. So this is you know you play this from the first person perspective as you mentioned. Um. You're exploring this kind of hostile environment, and you're using physics to solve puzzles to proceed downward. Uh. Your your character Philip is a uh, professor of physics. Yes. Uh, which is a clever little nod because this is a very physics based game. Right. Um, so this came out after Half-Life 2, but it was remarkable even at the time. I remember the the tech demo that this is based off of causing a lot of heads to turn because it was an indie studio kind of building something around physics like this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. 
um, something that is very surprising, especially to, um, people who would be coming at this from even later games in this series, like if they played Black Plague first, um, is that there is combat in this, which is very strange and out of place and feels vestigial. It's, it's something where I think that it, it's, uh, there is combat in it. It is, it's never mandatory. Like right. you can play this like Black Plague or play this like Amnesia. Mm-hmm. And I think it, it wants you to. Yes. It just didn't make sense for the dogs to be invincible. You know, so yeah. like it, it just, you, you know, they give you things that you can hit. Like I think it feels to me like an extension rather than being vestigial to me, it feels like an extension of the physics following the physics, like following yeah. the physics. Yeah. Like if, yeah. if, if we have to give the character a, a pickaxe because they're going to do pickaxe shit, what happens if they hit the enemy with that? Well, mm-hmm. like we don't want to just make the dogs invincible because <laughs> one, like one, you'd put yourself in a lot of unwinnable situations where you're on top of a crate and you're just surrounded by dogs. <laughs> you know, if you couldn't kill them. Or as I death. call it, Thursday. Yeah. <laughs> you starved to death on Dog Island. Like, <laughs> you know, as the old expression goes. Um, just like way too many times. So I, it makes sense to me. And, and the combat is, uh, it reminds me, um, a lot of, uh, pathologic in mm-hmm. that it's, it's discouraging you from doing it by being so janky. Yeah. Like it, it's hard and, uh, hard to do. Like it's hard to be successful at it. And it is tedious and long, you know, in, in a way that to me, if not intentional, it feels like another knock on effect similar to like the low, you know, low fidelity contributing to the horror. Absolutely. And it feels different when there is combat that is, you know, basically suicidal to engage in versus mm-hmm. having nothing to do, you know, against any kind of enemy, nothing to do but run. Right. So like it gives you kind of something that, you know, maybe you will just kind of go to automatically out of desperation as opposed mm-hmm. to just immediately giving up and trying to run away, you know, yeah. and like, like that leads to like tense little moments where you are holding this pickaxe and you forget kind of what game this is. Yeah. 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 The, the situation it creates, which is the same one kind of over and over, uh, but is, is a tense one mm-hmm. when you get in the combat, you know, at least before you kind of see the strings of you cowering out of, just out of reach of this like dog's jaw mm-hmm. waiting for it to charge and you you know hit it with a hammer. Yeah. Or like desperately like, okay, well here's a chair. I'm gonna throw this at the dog and see if that buys me a second. Yeah. 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 Um the the flip side to that, the bow, down part of it is that it is there are finite enemies, so you can clear out an area and not have that kind of danger yeah. contribute to your horror. You know, you can have, I know in this room, there are two dogs. If I take the time to kill them, I can solve these puzzles at my leisure. Yeah. Um, the game still has spooky things that are not specifically threats, mm-hmm. but it is, uh, it's definitely something that I think that, you know, they, they bought and they sold for it. You know, it is, it is something that, uh, uh contributes and, and is a detriment kind of both. Yeah. Something that kind of, uh, I forgot when I came back to this was kind of how much of a monoculture the, uh, enemy palette is i guess oh yeah there's 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 three enemies yeah exactly um and two of them are really just kind of stunts that come up at uh in very particular places most of the time that's dog island you know yeah uh, a wes anderson production um and that you know it's a little it's a little bit underwhelming i like those dogs like they're they're especially good and creepy and they're kind of deteriorated there's something very very wrong with them it's just uh you know you're not doing an awful lot of kind of adapting to different tactics no, not, not even remotely, yeah. you know? So again, that, again, that feels, I think it contributes to this kind of homemade feel of this, but it would have been, would have been cool to have a lot of variety. Yeah. Um, you know, but I, I think that you were never really meant to be common. Like if they were just pursuers, mm-hmm. 
Like it makes sense. And I think that was probably the intent, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. um, this physics contributes to that as well. As we mentioned running, um, you mentioned throwing a chair at a dog. You can also kind of close doors and stack items against them to slow them down. Yeah. Um, it doesn't stop them. Uh, the first time that happens, I think, is one of is like a great moment in in horror games. <laughs> yep. Yeah, uh, just like when it starts, uh, like when they start banging against it, and you can see the yeah. uh, you can see the boxes rattle. Yeah, and the box eventually breaks <laughs> yeah. because it won't it won't stop them. Right. Um, I think that that's a great moment yeah. in, in horror games. Um, um it's so cool I that you can do it though. I forgot to write uh, notes about this just because it's almost a bit of a half system. So this is a stealth game. Um, it does kind of the Chronicles of Riddick Escape from Butcher Bay thing where if you are in stealth, like crouched, then your screen takes on kind of a blue cast uh, mm -hmm. to it. Uh, the thing is, even though there is no sanity system in this, you can panic. So if an enemy is walking by, you need to make sure not to look at it. Otherwise, kind of like a lens flare flashes and you make a bunch of noise and it gives your position away. So, Which, which directly they used in Amnesia. Yes. You know, of course. And that's such a clever idea. Mm-hmm. You know, and it, it it does so much. Like it makes um, you know, it it makes it so it covers up some of the. Uh, if you think of this game as a game entirely stealth based, like you'd never really get a good look at the dogs, mm -hmm. you know, because uh, you you don't want to do this. So it makes their kind of low poly shitty models like just kind of look like this, you know, suggestion. Yeah. Uh, of a dog, and that whole idea that you have to be hiding from something without looking at it, which. Again, they perfected amnesia. You know, the first time you're hiding in the closet in amnesia, looking at your feet and hearing <laughs> the monster root around the room you're in is, yeah. again, one of those, like, masterpiece moments. Um, that started here. Yeah. You know, you get a, a embryonic version of that hiding behind a crate, looking at your feet and waiting for a dog to pass and seeing it just in your periphery and yeah. then jerking the camera with the mouse against the wall so you don't actually panic. Like, <laughs> and, and that – just like that, that, that atomic – uh, kind of moment of, of of panic right there, you know, of of hiding. Like you, you know, when you are looking away, you have no way of knowing outside of sound cues if they are walking toward you or sniffing around you or like moving away. Like all yeah. that you have is you know either danger music or no, no music. It's fine, but yeah, yeah. just like you just can't like you're just kind of teetering around the knife edge. Uh, knife's edge. This could go either way. Yeah. Um, they also do something clever with, um, you know, cause lighting plays a important part of this game. You know, speaking of that crouch thing is that when you crouch to hide, it takes a while for your eyes to adjust to the darkness. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's really fun too, because you can be in that situation and literally be blind as well. Yeah. You know, so not only are you not looking, but the thing could be right in front of your face and you don't know. And for a couple <laughs> beats until it, you know, the lighting kind of comes up. This is one of those, like when you do that light slider in the beginning of games, uh, I recommend making this harder for yourself. Yes. You know, uh, that, you know, adjust the light until blank is just barely visible, like make it pretty dark. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, cause you get a lighting plays a lot into the inventory in this game. And if you don't do that, you don't really need to use it, Right. Uh, yeah. which was the, the first time I played this. I didn't uh, do that because I was a huge wuss this time. I, I made it harder for myself and, mm. and had a better time. Yeah. Uh, at the recommended setting, it definitely is a very well lit game, which means you don't need to really mess around with batteries for your flashlight or flares or things like that. Yeah. Uh, you end up with a flare baron yeah. at the end. Like if you want to, this actually ends with you leaving Greenland and setting up a flare store uh, <laughs> because you have so many flares. <laughs> uh, for, for, for sure. However, beef jerky is always useful. You find tons yeah. of it. It's stinky yeah. and rotted, uh, but it is perfect for zombie dogs. So yeah, it's bait. Yeah. Pretty good. Um, mm -hmm. yeah. So just like Amnesia and like many other games in this genre going forward, uh, the majority of the story that you get is found in notes that you uncover while exploring. Uh, and also the environmental storytelling is pretty good too. Yeah. 
Yeah, like you get to get to kind of find out what happened here after the fact, which is something I'm always here for. Yes. You know, um, the uh, there's also about, you know, one third the way through the game, you're introduced to a handler. Um, this person who talks to you over one way radio, this guy named Red and Red is like a fan favorite. You know, like the, the TV troops, tropes, the TV troops down at the TV tropes. Uh, <laughs> reporting really, for duty. <laughs> reporting for duty. I just really love this guy. And it is a, a singularly like charismatic voice performance. Mm-hmm. Um, and he is an extremely fun character. Very much so. Um, he is such a standout. And I don't even know. It's hard to discuss exactly what makes him so special. Charismatic is very right, but he uh, is very peculiar. He has... Um, Kind of a, a an accent that is very hard for me to place. I don't know if it's yeah. a Greenland accent. If it feels vaguely vaguely Scandinavian, that takes a backseat to the fact that his whole thought process and kind of presentation is very disjointed. He uses strange words and makes kind of very oblique literary references and mm. speaks almost entirely in word salad while simultaneously like berating you and entreating you for help and complimenting you. He's very, very difficult to place. And the payoff for his story in particular is mm-hmm. a standout amazing moment. Yeah, it's it's really good. He he talks a little bit like the um the super version of HR Geiger. Mm. Uh quite a bit actually. Like I'll put that in the notes for people who don't know that, but that's uh Matt Gorley's masterful uh <laughs> like interpretation of HR hey it's me, really Geiger. The uh like really, really good uh, version of that. Yeah. Um yeah red red is great. Mm-hmm. You know and and uh yeah I, I love him. Yeah. Um, um and you know it, it does a very good job of keeping you off your guard or on your guard rather as to whether or not he is helping you or hindering you. Um, yeah. You know, up until, up until the reveal, it's very difficult to understand exactly what his, what his goal and motivation is. And if he is like, you know, there are several times where he straight up just leads you into danger to punish you. <laughs> yeah. And, and he says such, and then he like gibbers and apologizes and like, yeah. you know, it's almost like you can hear him hitting himself in the head yeah. like you know, after doing it. Like it goes, it, you get whiplash kind of from it. And that mm-hmm. is uh, a really fun feeling of being, you know, not being sure where you stand. Yeah. Um, and speaking of that whiplash, this game does something that I think all very good horror has to do, which is mix humor in with, mm-hmm. uh, with, <laughs> with, uh, with its scares. Uh, this is a funny game. Um, in, yeah. a, in, a, in a lot of places, you know, not just with red, there are notes that are, they're very humorous. Um, and this doesn't, that doesn't really show up a lot, um, in, uh, frictionals work. Like, I think Soma, no. so like Soma, 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 Soma has some funny stuff in it, but mostly it is a, it is a, an oppressive existential slog. Well, it's, it's, yeah, that's, you know, the, the, the humor in, in Soma is very much like sad humor. Yeah. You know, it's, it's the humor of a pathetic. <laughs> it's it's all just like it's like a clown dying in the street, <laughs> you know. Is is that this, this is you know just uh, like yeah the balance is very good yeah and I, th- I think that's one of those aspects too for people who are going to play this after we talk about it that uh, is going to maybe not work you know for everyone right like it worked for me like I was I had no problem vacillating between like laughing and being scared mm-hmm. in this game um, I understand I can understand people being just taken out of it. Mm-hmm. You know, by this, so your mileage is going to vary on that. Um, I like it a lot. Yeah. And I, and again, I think that is what they were going with Clancy and the uh, the second one, but it just, you know, was weird to me. <laughs> a little bit too cartoony. Um, a little bit too Yeah, a little, little too cartoony. This is just very, like, part of it is just that it happens almost entirely in text. Mm-hmm. You know, so you can read it in your own voice. Yeah. Uh, you don't have somebody, like, hamming it up <laughs> with, with the humor. Like, see, Red, Red can sometimes be funny, but that genuinely just was mostly unnerving. Right. To me. 
Uh, partly because I knew what happened to him. Oh, of course. Like I, you know, I played it before. But um, yeah, the, the fact that it is funny is very surprising. Um, prior to this, uh, this release, Frictional released a tech demo just called Penumbra that showed off uh, essentially this physics and graphics engine yeah. and had kind of a smaller version of the story. So if like the if Amnesia is Sling Blade and this is the short film known as Sling Blade, that was the word Sling Blade written on a notebook. <laughs> right. You know, oh, that, so, that, that was like was the, a long more blade. that was like the student film uh, kind of production plan that somebody put together. Yeah, yeah. Yep, yeah. As, a, as a storyboard. Yeah, there's um, some uh, there's some interesting kind of technical details about this. Like this engine uh, was initially meant to be 2D, like 2D tile based, and somehow um, they took it from this uh, doctor the- doctor's thesis that they did in making a game engine and turned it from 2D into this 3D physics based thing. I have no idea how that happened, uh, but that is kind of all over the uh, the biographical information about the game. Yeah. It's interesting to think about what this might be if it were 2D, you know? Um, So Overture was originally meant to be the the first in a trilogy, um, and then the third game ends up not being as substantial. Right. So it's like an expansion pack. It is, you know, all three games use the same engine. There aren't major tech upgrades. The third one just ends up kind of being a coda to wrap up the story in a way that is semi-satisfying. Yeah. So... Yeah. Um, there's some fan made expansions that continue it uh, a little bit. Uh, I think one is called like Necrolog or something like that. Um, and yeah. there are a few others. Uh, most of those fan ones are made with the source code from this game or using development tools provided with Amnesia and Soma. Uh, because mm-hmm. Frictional has been very open um, with kind of their story creation um, tools. Mm-hmm. And I, I have not played those, but they're supposed to be pretty good. Yeah. Actually. So, and, and also supposed to be scarier. Mm-hmm. So like they they are they lean into the scary part of this, which is cool to me. So nice. those are on my on my list for someday. Yeah. Um, this was not really well received at the time. So people, you know, was like, oh, the the combat and puzzles and story are bad uh, in this, and you know that opinion kind of changed. Like this has at least in in like the fan community, which <laughs> I feel like taking a shower after saying, but like. <laughs> Like this does have a good reputation among its audience, I guess. Yeah, it's it's vindicated by its legacy, I think. Yeah, yeah. I mean, even even just in an individual stand-up thing, mm-hmm. you know, like when I was reading about it, uh, you know, and linking from, you know, your your TV troopers and stuff, <laughs> like I was seeing a lot of just kind of like, you know, a lot of people who prefer this over the later entries, mm-hmm. you know, for various reasons. So it definitely has a, a softer reputation. Yeah. You know, it reminds me like again, like just in a weird. It kind of reminds me of Pathologic just in that reviewed really terribly because it was kind of hostile and janky in a way that those those demerits eventually became credits. Right. You know? So. Yeah. Just uh, it, it, it is it was not the kind of thing that critics were – the critics had the vocabulary for at the time, I think. Yeah. That, that's a good way to put it, I think. Yeah. So, yeah. Good uh, – you know, cool – Cool, uh, cool game recommended. Let's get into it. We're going to spoil everything. Yeah. So th- that's the reason why I put that recommendation there is that like if this at all sounds like your cup of tea, like mm-hmm. I would recommend playing it. You can play yeah. it in a couple settings. It's not long. Yeah. It's very um, easy. Yeah. Uh, and it goes, it's paced really well to you. I guess that's something that we can talk about when individual examples of it come up. But mm-hmm. like I was surprised by how well it's paced. Like yeah. you, you know, when you do a kind of longer form puzzle in this, uh, it is always followed by either a spooky exploration mm-hmm. sequence, like a, a chunk of interesting reading, like, you know, kind of good reading or, you know, a good monster sequence. Like yeah. they vary things up very well. Mm-hmm. You scoot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, let's get into it. Yeah. So the prologue opens with this typing sequence. We have our main character, Philip, writing this, re- uh, writing about this request from his father, Howard. 
uh, kind of ends saying, if we're lucky, I'm dead. If fate frowns, we all perish. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, it's February of 2000. Philip gets this letter from his dead dad uh, after his mom's funeral. Um, his dad says, hey, you need to burn all of these documents. Uh, the fate of the world is at stake. Is, is at mm-hmm. stake, basically. Philip, yep. being unable to comprehend that he isn't a horror story, instead decides to read them and follow the trail that his dad was trying to erase to this mine up in Greenland. Yeah, very, very, uh, very stock standard H.P. Lovecraft opening. Um, the uh, the film festival, the H.P. Lovecraft uh, film festival that happens um, a couple years ago, I went and I saw a short film, and it was called like you know unspeakable unspeakable oath or something like that okay and it, it has a guy in a I, I won't be able to find the thing because i can't remember the name it's hopefully it's on one of my best of dvds he's uh he's sitting in like a parlor and he gets a package just like this and he reads it and it's like you know if you're if you're reading this i urge you uh throw this into the fire fry and then he just throws it into the fire immediately <laughs> credits and then it just goes to credits <laughs> it's, so good. it's real good like and it's it's as for it's as soon as the guy says like i urge you to throw this into the you know to burn this <laughs> he just without hesitation he's like well i was urged you know and then <laughs> just, just does it right away it's extremely good <laughs> With a, a laugh out loud uh moment yeah um, like that. that's coming up in a couple of weeks i i decided Ooh. to for my birthday i decided to get myself a weekend pass to it so i'm gonna go uh go again i'm looking very, forward to it very cool um but yeah so he uh he doesn't do that he even he, he name checks it too like it's kind of genre aware he's like no man is immune to the the charms of curiosity or what have you mm-hmm. um so he books a flight uh to the arctic and you get your your tutorial as you are taking a boat from the airport uh to this this where this mine is um or you're in a small bunk room you're kind of gathering your your things there are you know girly pictures up for the sailors who usually stay here and mostly it's just teaching you like hey in this game, like you use your mouse and you can move things around. Right. It introduces you to the engine. Um, hey, open these drawers and open these cabinets. Mm-hmm. And the uh, I was thinking about this because we talked about um, in some recent game I can't remember, but like the appeal of just being able to interact with every object, like the David Cage Shenmue appeal of that. And this version of this works so much better for me because it's very satisfying to like physically move a drawer open than than it is to just click on a drawer and be able to open it. I think. Mm-hmm. You know, so like just just fucking around your environment is pretty fun in this. Like, yeah, the uh, the sound is really nice with a drawer. Like, you know, it's just a very satisfying scrape. Yeah, uh, uh, as you do so, like, it's it, it, so something like that. You know, where you're where you're opening the drawer and then you see the contents jostle around inside because they're physically modeled. Like all of that mm-hmm. just feels like uh, different versions of that same feeling I got when I walked through those freezer flaps in the original Splinter Cell. Just walking mm, yeah. in and out of those freezer flaps and watching them flip and flop like nothing in a video game had flipped or flopped for me at that point. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just like it's, it feels against the rules, mm-hmm. like, you know, in a way for like when yeah. this came out, like, oh, like, you know, that's just not how this works. <laughs> no, no. Um, like you're but, like you, you are you are involving me in the kinesthetics of this world. And and that's a, a really good move because that is a really good way to contribute you to, you know, or uh make you feel horror more viscerally like mm-hmm. the fact that my mouse cursor is an extension of my body in this yeah yeah like you know, i can like we talk i can fuck up closing a door <laughs> yeah yeah and 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 it's because i the player fucked up doing a physical action that more closely matches a one-to-one mm-hmm. than than most things i do yeah you know so it, it gives you a little bit of that like we talked about um thief like as a self series where like you're very aware of your body you're very aware of your body in this game yeah um you know and and uh that is a good that's a good place to start i think with horror games yeah. you know i don't want to feel like a floating camera because i don't care if a floating camera gets smashed right you know 
Yeah. So um, you would not you would not be surprised to learn that this game did have Novant Falcon support. So. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah finally, <laughs> Novant Falcon is getting its due. <laughs> Yeah, um, it's very smart of them too to kind of give you this tutorial in a single room that uh, is relatable. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, it's a bedroom with a desk and like a, a locked door uh, or locked, you know, locker uh, that you have to get into. Uh, it's all very kind of grokkable, right? And there are no stakes, yeah. um, you yep. know, like even perceived stakes to like gathering up your kit while you're waiting to arrive. Yeah, yeah. There's no there's no time limit or anything like that. And you will, you know, the tutorial. I would say extends a little bit further than that into like the next part. It's still telling you what to do, mm-hmm. but this is the, the very basic yes. and a part of it. Like it doesn't start with you being chased. <laughs> um, so they, they drop you off in this, this frozen Valley um, and you go and find the interest of the mine, which has been iced over. So you have to use a rock to, to smash the ice to get in um, as an Easter egg. You can die here. Uh-huh. Like if you stay here long enough, you will freeze to death. <laughs> um, but the, uh, it's pretty unlikely that it happens, but this is just, again, just treating you, Teaching you to look around and use things to hit other things, pretty much. Right, right. So. Just so they have the idea that you have the ability to move something fast enough to impact other things in the world. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, but like the, the the atrium to this place, you know, it's the supply depot loaded with ammo and expired rations. Uh, something that I love about this whole setting is that. Uh, like different depths have different purposes. Like this is obviously like mm-hmm. a military kind of thing deeper in as a mine and even deeper is, you know, spoiler things that we're going to talk about later on in the episode. Um, but this is cool. Like this feels disused and almost like a front. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I also love that there's ammo everywhere mm-hmm. <laughs> and it, it's just the fact that that's not, not interactable. It just signals to you, you know, like, like you're never going to get a gun. Like there's, yeah. there's bullets everywhere, but it's not that type of game. Yeah. The chance, the chance all doesn't have any gas in it. Yeah, exactly. It's exactly that. Um, and you even, it just straight up tells you that. Like it talks about being able to hide, you know, initially, you know, mm-hmm. it talks about crouching. And it just says like your, your better option is going to be to run or hide. You know, the, the, if you start relying on Hollywood heroics, you're going to die. Yeah. Hollywood heroics, I think is um, a, like a precise quote <laughs> that they say yeah. like, Hey, this is yep. not, this is not an action game or an action movie. Yes. Um, yeah. So, uh, you start with kind of chapter one here. Uh, where and these chapters kind of usually are uh, based around one kind of big puzzle. It's like yeah, it's that like you're a, going around to do things with. It's like a big hub, a big hub area that is designed for stealth with uh, with little yeah. spokes off, where you're doing like little micro goals inside of them. Yeah, you go inside a room and do do kind of a small puzzle to get one aspect of something you're going to use to combine to to the next area. Yes. for the most part. Um, when you first enter this area, I love that there is a map posted as as there would be, mm-hmm. and there's no map in the game. You can't right. bring up a map. Yeah. So, um, so it's up to you to kind of use markers that they would use in the real, real, real world, like, uh, you know, signs, um, maps, things around that to find your way around. Yeah. So you get a little bit of that thief appeal where orienteering is part of the, uh, is part of the fun. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, so it's mostly open. The first area that I went to was the office. Uh, and this is where you find your first mm-hmm. artifact. It's this strange canister where when you touch it, you actually get a memory of your father. Like a like, These are like this, lanterns this, to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they, they, um, like it has like yeah, an unnatural you, light coming off of it. They even talk about that um, in some of the notes. Yeah. And you you get a vision uh, from that, um, and they they will change as you go on. Mm-hmm. You'll get kind of more and more of them. This is actually how you save your game, um, which is a weird note, but and it doesn't ever tell you that. Right. But if you go into your load games thing, every time you touch one of these, it creates a new save. So. Yeah, just which is a weird. It's it's weird that it doesn't. It also auto saves at points, and because it's an old game, it's very obvious when that happens. Like the game will hang for, you know, 
a second and a half, and then you know, like, okay, it's saved. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's actually very generous with those. It does those before most places where you you could definitely die. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so. Yep. And there's also um, usually also, one in each of these spokes as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so you start getting uh, kind of your story of this place. You find this note from this commanding officer, um, and it's pretty normal. Like, you know, he's talking about requisitioning supplies, you know, getting in, getting new people, but he also mentions finding this strange archaeological uh, asp uh, object. Mm -hmm. um which is which is the save save game yes. lantern yeah it's got this cover on it and it emanates a strange light um you also yeah. by by reading around you find this drawer uh with a clipping from the copenhagen post uh which i guess is your source for all kinds of news about chewing tobacco um yeah yeah yep. gross Trauma play. <laughs> yeah. uh no but uh so this is from the 30s i believe this article uh clipping us from speculating that this mine uh something about the rocks here um uh is kind of laced with these chemicals that are responsible for a heightened suicide rate like they talk about the just uh the the the, the statistics around you know why bad things happen to the people who work here yeah people are killing themselves in the mine yeah all the time Yep, and it, it could be this thing. Usually, I'm pretty annoyed by the the idea that uh, everything could be a hallucination. Mm -hmm. You know, as a trope, I think that's really overdone. Yeah. Uh, here, just the fact that it definitively isn't, you know, <laughs> is what saves this for me. Like the first, I even remember when I first played this, uh, like shortly after I moved to Portland, um, kind of rolling my eyes at this. Yeah. yeah. Like, oh, it's all a dream. You know, and it, and it's uh, luckily not. Right. Um. You also kind of uh, in a chest that you have to open, you find this explosives manual. Um, one guy who was making cherry bombs, like some some merry pranksters. Some of these miners are, are real uh, real characters. Were making cherry bombs, uh, so they had to lock this up, uh, like Mrs. Krabappel's drawer. Um, and this tells you how to make a series of explosives. That and you'll end up using this manual the whole game. Uh huh. Uh, like you use it in the end too. It's really weird. And it's written. Uh, one of the things I like about this, again, with that kind of walking sim. Uh, Kind of appeal is that this is written like an explosives manual like it's not written to be entertaining like it is right. written text yeah it, it, it you know, is written not, to be information dense yes you know so it's kind of bland as a thing and that just contributes to this feeling of a uh, of immersion yeah so. um so you say so you call them merry pranksters that's definitely a case you know like that that, that is one interpretation i just love the idea of the ceos like of, of this basically being like a hogan's heroes kind of thing just like oh, oh it's, sure. it's like a, the, the, this whole mine is manned by just lovable dipshits <laughs> i was thinking about specifically later when they just put shelves on put something <laughs> on a high high shelf so a guy can't get it because he's short <laughs> yep and he's self-conscious <laughs> like, about being short yeah, yeah, old shorty McShort short like can't can't have this. And it's like, well, let's just put it somewhere you can't get it. Cause fuck him, you know <laughs> these nihilistic assholes who are because of chemicals in the rocks they turned into <laughs> abuse and butthead. Yeah, and the, cool. <laughs> yeah, they have. Uh, <laughs> so uh, this manual will be very useful useful for you. You can go over to the storeroom. Um, and in order to proceed, you actually have to like look at some diagrams, uh, to understand where the ladder down to kind of the crawl space is. Like there's a crudely drawn diagram that shows, uh, like uh, a box and then rocks and then a ladder underneath it. So you actually have yeah. to like, like physically, you cannot move this box until you take all the rocks out of it. Um, and well, th all that's of a sudden, great too, because yeah. that, that's such, so obviously like we're keeping something in. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like nobody would do that unless they're keeping something in. And when you first go in here, you hear, you know, somebody else on the other side of a door because it's locked from the inside. Mm -hmm. So like this whole thing, like this whole section is great. Yes. Like just figuring this out. And also just like, it feels like you're being stalked. You ever, you never actually meet the person who is locked on the other side of this. Yeah. But it is, uh, it's, you feel like you're going to. 
and this is where the sound design really, really leaps out at me in the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, because this entire area is just awash with both kind of whispering and uh, spider footsteps. Like, there's yeah. no other way to say it. Like, uh, this place is Skitter City. Yeah, when you go into the crawl space specifically, <laughs> you know, which is full of webs and just, uh, you know, pretty pretty spooky. The, the soundtrack to this is actually pretty good, too. Yes. Very appropriate. Um, you walk through the crawl space. You don't find any spiders. Like, when we say it's full <laughs> of spiders, like, you don't actually see any. It's just the sound that comes later. Yeah. Um, and you find this diary, uh, this guy who's been trapped there for, for 50 days at the point he wrote the diary. Uh, spoiler, it's longer than that. Yeah, no, that, that um, is such a good revelation. They go, oh, 50 days, yeah. like, there's no way this guy is still alive. Yeah, and then just it keeps going. And you, this is this little short story you get of a guy who uh, was, you know, the disaster happened, whatever the thing happened was, and he locked himself in here. He was starving to death, um, and he was scared of the spiders. And he woke up with one nesting in his mouth while he's sleeping, which is fucking terrifying. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so it's, it's scary, but then he swallowed it and didn't die, and then it becomes this weird Again, that tightrope of being, like, funny and scary mm-hmm. <laughs> with this guy. Like, it is, you know, but just the idea of, like, waking up with a spider, like, nesting. Yeah. Like, that is a verb. Like, it's, it's <laughs> like, you know, spinning webs and it's it's starting to, like, you know, use your skull as a home. Like, hermit crab yeah. your skull. <laughs> yes. You know? Yeah. It, it thought my mouth was a warm cave. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Super good. Yeah. Um, uh, and you continue to find diaries of this guy as you explore this area. Yeah. Like day 71, he is determined that these spiders contain psychotropic chemicals. Uh, mm-hmm. he, and he needs to get something else to eat because he knows it's affecting his perceptions. But they're just so goddamn tasty, Gary. That, yeah. The, com- the comedy comes in how good they are. Yep. He's just like, man, you know, and then he eventually is talking about how, like, I can't wait to get to the mainland and, like, share this <laughs> cul- culinary innovation. He's you know? coming up with, like, 101, way- 101 ways to cook mega spiders. Yeah, just, just uh, open up, like, mixed spiders, you know, <laughs> like, mixed thoraxes and just, like, have everybody just eat these things. Um, you know, he's, he's losing, you know, clearly, like, losing his mind. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, from this. But, it, it again, it's just it's such a tightrope, you know? Like, it, it's scary. It's funny, <laughs> but it's also just, like, also pretty spooky. And as the day counts just keep going up, it's just like, geez, you know? <laughs> well, I mean, all, like, also, also along with this, uh, he is exerting... Uh, kind of force on this species at an ecosystem level. Oh yeah, you're right. Yeah. They, they grow <laughs> like, bigger and stuff to essentially take him. Yeah, <laughs> they get they get bigger and more aggressive because he's picking off the weak ones and they're coming for him. Yeah, exactly. All the all the strong, all the alpha spiders, all the chads stay home and and, and breed. <laughs> he's just he's just eating all the spider incels. So they, <laughs> like, uh, so. Uh, He's uh you have to go through. There's a little bit of a like steam vent thing where there is just a timing uh, puzzle where a little bit these are a little bit frustrating to me because mm-hmm. the hitbox of them is very unclear. Yeah. Um, if you're having a hard time with this, if you're playing it, you can get closer than you think. Um, you get some lighter fluid, and now uh, these lamps that we've been seeing everywhere, we can light and uh, turn off. Yeah. Which will eventually become uh, important as dogs get introduced to the equation. Yes. Very shortly, actually. Uh, but while you're in the deepest part of this, you hear this ruckus and you grab a, a ladder and repair, you know, repair your way back up. You go back up that door that was previously locked. Well, that's open and there's a gigantic trail of blood, uh, being yeah. dragged to a hole that is too small for a man. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> or very like, you know, you just imagine, uh, bones like cracking and stuff to fit into this hole. Mm-hmm. You know, essentially, um, you find the rest of his journals and you see, uh, like a great, you know, a great moment of horror is seeing just the, uh, dozens and dozens of binders mm-hmm. there like you've read three or four different notes that this guy's done 
and he's written volumes. Yeah. Like every day he's written this thing. Most of those are find, recipes. Yeah. A bunch of the other, <laughs> probably, probably a lot of spider surprise and stuff. The, um, but, uh, you find out, you know, you read his day 200 thing where he talks about his tongue had been swollen because it, uh, there's venom like from, from the spiders. Yeah. It, and he's just like, you know, I'm going to, I have no, no choice but to do self, self surgery. Yeah. It was, it was, you know? it was swollen, numb and white and sticky. Yeah. Yeah. So yep. he had to cut it out with his own pen knife. Yep. Which yeah. I, I love. And you can find the pen knife and you can find the tongue. Yep. You can find this gigantic like, ass tongue just like laid out lovingly on a table in the closet. <laughs> and because it's this engine, like you can then take that and beat a dog to death with it. <laughs> so, like, you, can, you, can, you can literally give a dog a tongue lashing. You're yeah. a bad boy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Drop it. Um, <laughs> yeah. And you can see where he had like dissected the spider when he was still in kind of science mode. Yeah. Before he was into, uh, in Quina mode. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, uh, you know, this, uh, him crawling in this hole is, re- is really, really great. And it just, again, you get this, the sense that he is just bending to conform yeah. to the spider shape and we never see him again. Nope. <laughs> like he is, you have this thing that is set up kind of like he's going to be a boss or he's going to be important. And he goes and he lives with the spiders now. Yeah. And that's never followed up on. Itchy, tasty. Yep. Super good. Yeah. Um, as you leave here, this is when, uh, the dogs are loose and we didn't mention this, but there have been cages mm-hmm. uh, that we've seen. Like, so we saw how they were kind of introduced into here. Yeah. Um, so the dog is loose. Um, you know, you the character says like, Hey, there's something wrong with like, don't pet it. It's bad. Mm. Um, he says, uh, you go into the next area of the cave because you have the items to get into the, the second half of the first level. Um, and he says like, I should shut the door. Um, <laughs> I don't want that thing on my back. So you can shut the door and you put a crate in front of it. And you're in this, uh, the music is pounding like during this part and you're in this little, uh, zone with lots of like little hidey holes in it and a couple lamps. And then again, we, we talked about this, the dog starts throwing itself against the door and the things you put in front of the door start cracking and then it eventually busts through. Yep. Uh, and it just, it does that sound effect thing that amnesia does where he, your character's always going, <sighs> <laughs> you know, as, as well. And it just, it really works like yeah. as a, as a great scene. Cause you, you think that the game tells you, Hey, this is how you're going to stop dogs from getting you. Mm-hmm. Close doors behind you, idiot. And then it just doesn't work. Yeah. And it's one of those moments where um, playing this, you know, as a new player with some genre awareness, like Mm -hmm. that awareness also heightens the horror a little bit because I remember the first time playing this, like knowing, okay, if I was a character in this situation, I would run because he was coming through. I was much more curious to see if he would actually get through, like if that was accounted for in the, in the engine. So like I was transfixed, like locked in place watching to see like, is that, is he going to, Oh God, he is. Yes. And then, then, you know, and and then making my, making my big escape. Yep. Super, super good. Like great little moment. Um, we should talk about just kind of in detail, like the ways to deal with this. Like we mentioned it in generalities. Yeah, yeah. If you decide to kill the dog, you have a hammer at this point. Um, you can jump up on top of a crate because they, they move, they, they have very simple moves. Mm-hmm. They, they run close to you and then they, they lunge. And, uh, to hit them, you have to pull your mouse to the side and then swing it. Mm-hmm. Uh, like physically swing it like you're swinging a hammer. Right. Um, there's a couple of different, like when you first get the hammer, it tells you a series of moves. Like you can do an overhead strike and you can do a thrust and things like that. Um, those always felt very like inelegant and awkward to me. Yeah. Um, so the, uh, the way to kill a dog in this game is you, uh, you jump up on top of a crate, you bash the dog's head and then it will fall down for a moment. Uh, and you can kind of chain it. If you chase the dog and get oriented right, you can hit it as soon as it gets up yeah. and kind of keep doing that. Yeah, uh, um, and to the point of like earlier, when we were talking about how the game kind of wants you to play it stealthily. It takes a long time to kill one of these dogs. Mm-hmm. Um, they are they're tough 
tough dogs. Yeah. Um, Additionally, later areas have more than one and oftentimes their patrol routes will, uh, uh, intersect. So sometimes while you're working on one, another one, another one will come up and get, you know, have an ankle snack. And they can clip or they can clip you while you're on top of the crate as well. Mm -hmm. Um, they attack kind of upwards. You're not entirely safe. So if you're too close to the edge of the crate, um, you can get hit. Yeah. Um, (laughs) you know, you're getting hit, you're losing health. Uh, you regenerate health by walking around. Um, if it's an emergency, you can use a painkiller. The thing is though, um, these dogs, one bit of AI that I think is very good when they're low on health, they will attempt to run away. Yeah. So, you know, if you do not take them down, then they will go away and regenerate and come back after you. Uh, and that again, when more dogs are introduced, following them might lead you into more danger. Yes. Yep. Yep. So it's a, but that, that is how you kind of deal with this. Um, if you're doing it the, the way that it wants you to, you hide and then you do this whole next bit of puzzle with just a dog about. Mm-hmm. So um, as you kind of explore the second area, you find out there's the way forward has been caved in. Um, so you need to use that explosive knowledge to in order to uh, to blow open this hole. Right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so you need to get into the workshop uh, by using this kind of loosely encrypted note. Uh, the workshop mm-hmm. is is locked by a number pad, and uh, I forget what it is. It's like it's 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 actually very obvious. Like it yeah. just uses um, it's numbers as homonyms for actual words, but mm. they're uh, all caps. Yeah, yeah. So he's like, I ate the the one <laughs> spider. Uh, yeah. You know, and and it's very very obvious. And now and I have zero tongues. <laughs> exactly. Um, it, it's pretty much that. And at the end, it says, like, it's opposite day, essentially. And you just have to do it backwards. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, it's it's pretty goofy. Yeah. Loosely loosely encoded. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, uh, you go into the workshop to get that. Uh, the workshop is interesting because uh, this is, I think, the first real overtly physics uh the first overtly physics puzzle in this, like, yeah, you did have to break that ice ice apart. You have to get over this electric fence, um, mm-hmm. and you and you actually have like have to like stack. Um, you have to you have to stack some barrels to make your jump over that, or set up a ramp or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so pretty. And and again, I love the electric fence the way it's set up because it's obviously kind of jury rigged and it was made to keep something out. Mm-hmm. You know, every time you find a trap or something to overcome, it's almost ways made it's a barricade that somebody has used to stop this when the event happened. Yeah. You know, essentially. <laughs> um, so you, uh, you get over to that area, use your, uh, explosive things in order to make a fuse, um, through just like a series of adventure gamey steps. Yeah. Yeah. You, know? you, you take a string and you coat it with some sticky stuff and then run it through gunpowder. Yep. And then you use that on a, a barrel. One of the things I don't, um, like about this game or one thing I think is silly is that you find mm-hmm. TNT, uh, individual sticks of TNT, uh, but they, they are not for this. No, no. Those, those are weapons. Um, you can use those to kill dogs. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, uh, you actually have to make a, use like a barrel of a, this explosive. Yeah. Um, to get through this thing. So like that in and of itself is pretty, you know, it's pretty tense. Like you are trying to carry this big goofy barrel while a dog is about most likely. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. with, with but, that part I like, yeah. like it's just the fact that they give you an explosive <laughs> that feels like it would work. Right. You know, that's pretty, that's pretty strange. Yeah. That feels like it should have been tested out. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Um, but yeah, you clear that cave in and that takes you to chapter two, um, which yeah. gets into kind of the more industrial portion of the mind of the mind. Yep. Yeah.
And, uh, yeah, so this is, uh, the beginning of this, uh, the lights are out on this one. So the, uh, there, there are no lights. And generally, uh, the first half of this is a puzzle to turn on the lights. Right. Um, there's a power room that has a gigantic kind of backup generator, uh, that has been kind of systematically dismantled. Like somebody had, uh, hidden the battery. Um, somebody had, uh, removed the fuse, you know, for the prank on the short guy, uh, stuff like that. To get the battery, uh, you actually have to, like, bust open a box by dropping it down a huge shaft. Mm hmm. Yeah. Which is very weird. And the, the shaft, there's notes about it where it's like people keep falling down <laughs> this thing. And there, there are, like, safety, you know, safety things, safety barricades you have to break down. This is not a good puzzle. No. You know, because I, I can break open crates. Mm-hmm. I've been doing it, you I mean, know? Yeah, I've got a, I've got a fucking pickaxe. Yeah, the, I feel like there could have been a different way to do this. Yeah. Um, but you go down there and you get that thing and you have to, uh, you learn about, this is a cool puzzle that feels very missed like to me mm-hmm. where you learn the specific order of operations to turn these valves. Um, and they, they tell you the order, but they're, uh, instead of having the name of the valve, they have symbols. Mm-hmm. So you have to kind of like, there's a clever one where it's like, you know, you have to turn on the water flow and then you have to turn on the steam. Yeah. And one of them is a very universal symbol for water. Like, like, uh, like steam, horizontal wavy lines. Yeah. And then the, the steam one is vertical version. So it's like, oh, it's water moving upwards. Mm-hmm. You know, so you had to you had to figure that out. Uh, the first time you do it, the fuse breaks. Yes. Uh, um, so you had to go get a fuse uh, from another room. <laughs> right. Um, you learn where the fuse is from this me- from this memo. Uh, this is where the man had played a prank on the guy who runs the generator. He's very short, um, and he hit this, so they hit the, the the spare fuse on top of a high shelf. So you have to get a box and stand up on top of it because because I guess Philip is short as well. Pip. Yeah, uh, I I use the the broom. There's a broom in that room you can use to knock the. Oh fuse yeah. Down. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, like, yeah. So when we talk about like f- things being physics based, like in- enclosed in that is the idea that there are multiple solutions for some of these. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, which is for, for a lot of them. Yeah. yeah like uh, the same thing when we talked about the electric thing, you can build a little ramp to jump over or you can actually build a bridge you know, over the electric fence. Yeah. yeah. Um, so. It's very cool. Yeah. So you, you get that, uh, you get that fuse, you can change the fuse, you now turn the lights. Um, there, we saw before this, there's a powered gate with a dog stalking on the other side. Um, <laughs> no we need way. to have the, we need to have the power in that. We can get the, uh, the code to open that door from the, uh, communications room where somebody is doing Morse code and there's a Morse code translation book. Yes. Um, so you just have to translate the Morse code. Um, when you arrive back to put in the code, someone communicates with you over a radio. Like you took a radio with you. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's a broken, it's a receive only radio. Um, yeah. and this is where we are introduced to red. Yeah. Yep. Uh, red, you know, it's not my real name, but you'll agree that some names, uh, fit like a well-worn cardigan Yes. or something like that. Yeah. The, um, you know, and he's kind of just like, he starts out as your handler. And at first he's definitely, you know, not sane, but he's not an, a malicious narrator. You're a right. malicious kind of, you know, unreliable partner. Uh, so that, that is a, again, like kind of a neat twist when that eventually happens, mm-hmm. uh, which is soon where he's explicitly put you into danger for funzos. Yeah. Um, but he is trapped further down in the mine. He dangles answers in front of you because obviously you're not just trying to survive. You're here to figure out what, you know, basically what's going on with your dad, um, mm-hmm. or what he was trying to hide. So Red yeah. is giving you, um, he's giving you some, uh, instructions on how to get forward saying like, yeah, there's a, there, there's a door that's blocked by a plank. That's ultimately the way forward. So you need to find a way to get past there. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Um, you, you get past, you deal with that dog, you get to this tool shed in order to get the, the saw that you need to get this plank. And you learn, you read this, uh, review of, from something called Zeno. 
Yeah. Which I feel like they should, people shouldn't use Zeno as a prefix given that like that has, that's a thing. <laughs> that's claimed you now. Know? Yeah. But it's yeah, like, it's, it's like the Zeno unit. Like it's like a research arm. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it's talking about, uh, essentially just strange happenings in the mine. Right. Right. Like they, they've been collecting the samples. People have been going missing, et cetera. Yeah. Um, and they're very obviously doing this without the knowledge of the people who are running the mine. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you can try to go to the storage room, which is kind of off the beaten path from where you need, you know, need to go from where red is directing you. Um, and, and red, this is the first time red like lashes out. He calls you an imbecile saying like, well, I hope that you accept your moral victory because I'm going to leave you alone. You can just be satisfied with that. And then he apologizes. He's saying like, oh, my brain is going, there are gaps, there are holes in my mind. And I've, you know, like when I fall into one of those, I'm not accountable. I'm very, I'm very sorry. And then he immediately turns around and says something passive aggressive. You just can't get a read on him. He's literally not himself. And that ends up making sense for what's happening in his brain when you eventually, you eventually learn. Mm -hmm. Um, You get down to this excavation site um, and he says, uh, Red tells you to get above to the watery cave of conversations past. Um, a lot of like good accidental poetry, uh, happens. Um, you have to use, like, you have a broken ladder that's kind of a half ladder. You have to use a combination of that and boxes to get up there. And um, you grab that and you end up trapped. It closes behind you. And this is a like chase sequence. Yeah. A speed uh, sequence in this tunnel full of spiders. <laughs> yep. So, uh, these are gigantic spiders. They're not giant in terms of video game giant spiders, which are sometimes the size of a building. Uh, but they're mm-hmm. still unnervingly large. Uh, they're numerous. They're the size of a PS1. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah. a, a, a PSONE or a PlayStation or a PSX. They both. Okay. They, they, they vary. Yeah. <laughs> yes. It's in between. It's a range between PS1 and PS1. Yes. <laughs> but yeah, these things will outnumber you and they will, you know, if more than one gets to you, then you will die very, very quickly. Yeah. They, they hurt a lot. Yeah. Um, essentially, um, what you're doing is you are running and blocking the path behind you with, with boulders. Um, you can also light some of their nest on fire. Mm-hmm. Um, you'll find them kind of soaked with paraffin. Um, one of my favorite details here is when you just come upon the eggs, uh, they, they're moving. Mm hmm. And they look very leathery. It's very like aliens. Yeah. Um, and, uh, when eventually you get to the end of this where you put this boulder and a boulder chases you, um, <laughs> kind of out. Yeah. Uh, like you, you have to, uh, like, uh, you, you can either let this proceed or you can trap it by using your pickaxe to break out some planks over a divot. Yeah. 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 So yeah, different, different options to get out. When you eventually get out there, Red says like, Hey, that wasn't actually the necessary evil I said it was. Yes. Like I said, you had to go through here. You didn't have to. It was punishment, but now that I've punished you, we can actually be friends. <laughs> yes. So uh, go get the go-go juice to feed the uh, the rock-eating monster. Yes. Uh, so, <laughs> yep, that's your next task. You have to you have to feed the beast. Um, so I want to talk about that spider chase sequence a little bit. I ended up getting mm-hmm. stuck here uh, uh, just a few a few times. Honestly, like mm-hmm. like this this was the biggest sticking point in the game for me. Uh, just because the checkpointing left me with spiders about five yards behind me and I did not have enough time to break down walls to get beyond it. So, um, if you are listening to this before you play, understand that you can go back and load an earlier save to get there, um, and get a bigger lead. Sometimes the checkpoint yeah. will, uh, will, will mess you up. The, the game keeps rolling saves. Yeah. You know, for that. So like, yeah, th- this is, this is, this took me, a, it took me two tries as well. Yeah. Um, similar thing. My checkpointing didn't fuck me over. It just took me two tries because I couldn't remember which way to go, uh, here. Yeah. Um, so it, again, like the check, you know, knowing that it keeps rolling saves makes this, you don't lose very much progress Yeah. when you die in this game. It's kind of limited. Like you might lose a minute mm-hmm. at most. So it didn't never, it didn't not bother me, but it is it the fact that it doesn't tell you that it's auto saving, mm-hmm. you know, and it doesn't tell you that that's even going to be a thing. It makes it kind of hard to know that's something you can lean on. Yeah. Yeah. 
So uh, the storage room that you've gotten into from above uh, via Red's punishment uh, segmented uh, by these events that you have to break. You can grab a key, uh, which is in this crane room that has uh, a text. It's a book written by this kind of like Christian chauvinistic clergyman uh, attempting to map Inuit mythological figures onto Christian mythical figures, like finding analogs for the angels for the demons and then ultimately come to the conclusion, ah, what they lack is God. So we can bring yeah. God to them and, you know, have them, have them see, see the light. This will seem like a bit of inconsequential flavor. I'm saying, yes, you know, this is the, you know, this is in the Arctic. Uh, there are tribes up here. However, uh, they introduce the idea of the turn gate in this. And yes. those are very, very important. Like this yeah, is, this that's... is like extreme foreshadowing. Yeah. That, that's ultimately what's going on. Yeah. You know, and, and it's like, you know, conservation of detail. If you're this, you probably know. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, this, 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 uh, capitalized word. <laughs> that's, that's an ancient myth. Like, that's probably what's happening. Yeah. You know, um, but it is, it's good that they, they do it here because it does, you know, to your point, like it, it can feel a little bit just like flavor, mm-hmm. you know, as well. So it's neat. It flavor. kind of does both. <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah. It's good. It's an interesting, interesting little note. No. Character. Um, as you, uh, you have that saw, you can go back to that door. And essentially what you're doing is it's barred from the other side and you're putting a saw between the bars mm-hmm. to, uh, to open the door. I don't understand why you couldn't just lift it. <laughs> like, you know, I don't, I didn't stop and like look how it's cause the, the board disappears. So it, maybe it was a fixed yeah. in a way you couldn't do that. But like barring a, a set of bars mm-hmm. feels like explicitly like pretty dumb yeah. to me. Cause like reaching this push, you know, <laughs> it re- um, reaching this push. Yeah. Yeah, re- reaching the swish, but instead you just you just saw it out. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, when you uh, when you get there, the uh, you can see the the Earth Eater, which is essentially the machine that Benny drives in Total Recall. <laughs> the, uh, yeah, it's it's yeah. like it's like a huge uh, a huge mining machine. It's got like got like a big, big chompers on the front. It's like a tunneler. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and you you know again you're doing kind of a mist puzzle where it's just doing mechanical things like you plug plug it into a transformer, uh, turn the key and uh, fuel it up. Yeah, you have, um, to, you open have to open your the gas, gas hammer with a hammer. Yeah, uh, and it's it's got this gigantic remote control. It's controlled from this console off to the side. Yeah. Um, when you when <laughs> when you when you break down this wall, red radios and says like, "Hey, I need to warn you. I haven't seen this area for about a mm, hundred days." Um, mm-hmm. specifically when the diseased ones chased him to where he is now. Uh, I love this phrase that he says, uh, you know, this is like, ah, yes, they chased me. I took them on a wild poultry chase. They ended, they ended dead. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So they, uh, they, the, we know that we're not going to, one of the things I like about that is that it's like, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to be scared of the diseased ones. And those are already taken care of. Like yeah. the game is, takes place kind of further out from a disaster than most games that take place after a disaster do. Yeah. Yeah. You know, this is not Resident Evil 2. Like you're not going through Raccoon City right after it happened, mm-hmm. yeah. you know? So if there are zombies here, they're already, they're long gone. Yeah. You just have the dogs. Yep. Um, and as you, you know, move in here and get kind of past this chasm, a gigantic rock worm. Um, <laughs> there's, there's two, there's only a couple of these in the game. Um, one of the cool things is we've seen smaller versions of them mm-hmm. uh, already, and you can pick them up as a physics object, like dead worms. Uh, but they grow up to be the size of like tremors. Mm-hmm. And uh, these are, there's a couple of these are scripted chase sequences. Yeah. Um, you have to con- you run and kind of move over this chasm that has boards across it in order to make this thing thing fall. Yes. Uh, down. Uh, this was my first. The first time I played this, this was my big sticking point, and I don't know what it was, but it moved faster than I could move. Oh, weird. Yeah. So this time I didn't have a problem with it. I wonder if it was either something that got patched 
or if it was just my system was running it yeah. differently or something like that. But I remember the first time I played it, this being a huge sticking point um, and not being able to get away from this thing until ultimately I got so sick of playing the lead up to it that I uh, went in. There's a way if you want to alter the .ini file, you can make this game save anywhere. Hmm. Um, it originally had quick saving, but it was disabled. So you can add quick saving to it. And I had to do that. So yeah. again, if you're playing this and you know, if you just feel comforted by that, or if you cannot make progress because of the saving, you can enable quick saving very easily. That's good. Yeah. You actually, so, you warned me about that before we even started playing. I just remembered it being awful. And then yeah. this time I had no problem with it. So <laughs> I don't really know what changed. Yeah. Um, I think these chases, when you ultimately pull them off, they're very good. They are a bit, a bit trial and error. Um, yeah. But like in the way that the Innsmouth uh, hotel chase is trial and error, like it ends up yeah. feeling good when you pull it off. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Um. So in this next area, you kind of hear these voices whispering from a hole that has warm air coming out from it. Um. I, th- I think I know kind of what this is, but it's meant to be spooky. Uh, <laughs> you, you find more spiders here. There's a, there's a locked door. You have to go through a huge, uh, cave, uh, tunnel cave, uh, that it has just full of this huge nest of spiders. You have to turn a crank to open this door and then get back to the door before it closes, mm-hmm. um, in order to proceed. Uh, we're just, we're just carrying a huge train of, huge train of spiders like you're trying to cross the eastern common lands. And it's, it's timed in a way that, uh, the door will be, Partway shut by the time you get there. Yeah, so you have to like, duck through. It's not actually hard, but you have to duck through, which is great. Yeah. This is a good articulation. I usually don't like, um, you know, push a button, which starts a timer and do something. Things, it, the chase makes this work. Cause usually when those things happen, it's like, okay, I just have to, you know, turn a couple cranks and push a couple blocks in a puzzle sense. Like it mm-hmm. happened all the time in God of War. Um, it happens a lot in Zelda games and I don't like it. Right. Like I, you know, I don't, you know, you push a button and a tick, tick, tick starts and just, well, how fast can you do this thing is not an interesting puzzle to me if I know how to do it. Yeah. This is, is just a different articulation of a chase. Like that closing door may as well just be a rock worm. <laughs> right. You know, it, it's just an end part for a chase sequence. So it doesn't feel the same. It doesn't feel like a puzzle sequence. Yeah. In a way that's very satisfying. Yeah. Um, once you uh, get through there, we start chapter three. So chapter three, uh, it's kind of a more rough hewn mining area. Uh, the previous area was mostly industrial. Right. Um, had a lot mm-hmm. of fit and finish on it. This one is more where they were actually like pulling the rock up. Right, right, right. And you can tell that, that that's because the first area is called Shaft 13. <laughs> the uh, the Shaft franchise. Well into the double digits. <laughs> grasping. Um, which is this kind of like closed uh, circuit. After you go through it, this wall collapses behind you. Yeah. Um, there. Um, you head to a uh, locker room where you find a piece of paper under a helmet. Um it does not have a code on it. Seems like it should. It seems like it should, especially I think there was there was no, there was an, another note that was uh, talking about um, you know this worker saying like yeah our, our foreman is really really paranoid um, and he keeps on changing the uh, changing the codes on us that old canard. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Um, which which happens and that traps some miners mm-hmm. and we find a note that talks about how that this uh, this this old this classic canard. I <laughs> uh, really canarded it up. And yeah. the, well, the, uh, I, I, I called it a canard because, like, you, you know, like, oh, I wrote. Yeah, I wrote, it happens in Resident Evil. Every Resident yeah, Evil. Yeah, I, I, I yeah. wrote this code down because they keep on changing it. I hope nobody finds this and gets through, especially after I'm gone. Yeah, it's, it's you know from System Shock to Resident Evil to everything <laughs> that constantly happens. Yeah. Um, the uh, so people started losing it because of this. This happened, mm-hmm. and eventually a guy got so fed up that he blew up the exit shaft. Right. 
like grab some explosive and did that. So, you, you know, it is, that is why, you know, they are trapped essentially. Yeah. Uh, yep. So you go into a ref- refinery, uh, Q powerhouse. Dun, 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 dun. Uh, you have machinery that is in very good condition. It's got these conveyor belts with little smashers mm-hmm. uh, going on. Uh, uh, you actually, uh, end up using this, uh, after you raise the smashers up, you end up using the conveyor belt to send it around through an unseen network of tunnels to knock a ladder down. Um, you, yeah. you, you just, you send a crate along waiting for it to come out and deliver you a ladder. Yep. Yep. Essentially like one of those bank tubes or something. Yeah. And to, uh, to get that thing once you, uh, and you, you eventually you get the, uh, not, a, not, you don't get a crank down or your ladder, you get this motor mm, that yeah. you, that you use to do it. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. So, so, uh, red radios you at this point, um, says like, Hey, I'm having a party. You need to bring me a gift, a big juicy rat. Mm. Uh, Cause I'm hungry. I, I could not eat just the horse. I'm so hungry I could not just eat the horse, but the vital young stable hand as well. <laughs> I, uh, I think this, so is this where he, where he talks about how he's eaten people. Yeah, uh, it's, that, a, little, it's, a, it's, a, it's a little bit later. Um, yeah, yeah. So he's, he's moving up the hierarchy <laughs> of things you eat, like you know, cat, dog, gangster, octopus. Like he's he's <laughs> moving up the things you should eat from, from rat to uh, to stable horse to to stable boy to mm, person. Yeah, to God. Yeah, yeah to God. Yeah. <laughs> I will eat the concept of religion. Yep, I will walk backwards from God, smacking my lips, <laughs> smacking on hips. Yeah, I will, I will face God. I walk backward into the restaurant. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. God, I, I, I could, I could swear like that. That, that, that tweet sounds like it comes from somewhere. Face God and walk backward into the hell. No, that's just a drill original. Yeah, it's just drill being great. Yeah. Um, sorry, I, I, that is like the only book that I have out of storage. So I've been mm-hmm. just like doing like random access drill tweets. Yeah. It's a, it's a good way to be. Yeah. <laughs> so he's, 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 he's looking for a meal. He, he wants a, he wants a rat roast. Um, man, this puts you, um, uh, into a very frustrating room. Um, you're in mm-hmm. this. Uh, so like there's a, the floor here is made of steam. Uh, it's got different panels, uh, and the safe area moves around in between bursts. So you have to like hang back and watch for the pattern until ultimately like you have to clear a couple of clear a couple of blocks or tiles uh, in between the blasts because there's no real safe way forward. Yeah, it it, it feels very um very God of War y. Yeah, you know, and this this is one of the places where it feels just explicitly video gamey. Yeah, yeah. In a way that's bad. Um, one the one thing is that if you have stocked up, I ended up kind of just like he manning it through this and using a lot of painkillers. Mm. Like I, I got an idea of the pattern, so I wouldn't get hit by too many steams, and then yeah. just ran and ended up having to use painkillers a bunch. But I did not have the patience for this. Yeah, yeah. So I, so I brute forced it. I, I, I was looking around for some kind of like canvas that I could use. Um, yeah, like like as a steam sail. Um, yeah, but I couldn't afford it. It's yeah, it's just a little bit too complicated. So. Yeah, even a half price. The yeah. um, so this gets you after you get there, you get to shaft twelve. Um, and you can use these bolt cutters that you found to open a path, this, this mine court cart that you can push down to smash open a brick wall. Right. Um, and when you do, we have gone into Resident Evil, like <laughs> Resident Evil, like we've opened up an underground lab. Yeah. Like this is like, this is where the Xeno crew, uh, is hanging out. Yep. Yeah. Uh, there is a dissected juvenile version of the worm that you saw earlier. Um, mm-hmm. and also a newspaper, uh, newspaper clipping, uh, again, uh, from the same paper, uh, the Copenhagen post or whatever. That that earlier one, earlier one was before talking about these miners disappearing in the seventies. Yeah. Yep. So it's been going on for a long time. Yeah. Um. 
So you do you do the old detective thing of like pushing a key out of a door with a screwdriver onto a newspaper. Yeah, I, I uh, think which that is only, a, <laughs> it only works on yeah. locks made before 1920. Yeah, it, when you had to keep the key in to keep it locked, <laughs> or people just do that because they were dumb dumbs. I think they were lazy. I don't know. Yeah, just like I, I can't lift this anymore. <laughs> like it's just an extremely dumb weird thing to do that like happens all the time in movies and has never happened in real life. I'm not going to carry a key around me. What am I? Some kind of palooka? Yeah, geez. I got a 23 skidoo on down to the speakeasy. Yeah. The, uh, yeah, super silly. Um, but once you get in there, inside that room, there's a huge hole at the end of it. Um, and the walls have these big black slugs on them. So creepy. Uh, God, I hate the slugs so much. It's super, it's super gross. It feels like RE7 a little bit, like just that organic pulsating wall kind of thing. Mm -hmm. It doesn't look like that, but it has that same kind of feeling of being surrounded by something organic. Yeah. Um, I, I love that there's a hole in the wall because this is obviously where at least one of the rockworms that is chasing you escaped from. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They get out <laughs> once they grow. Once they got all grown up. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Um, there is a UV light overhead, like when you're in, in the sex room, and you you do that, and it reveals a wall with writing all over the the wall, like mm -hmm. crazy writing. Yeah. You know, again, like that's that's a kind of a, a horror cliche. I always like it when it happens, though. Yeah. Um, it's cool thing. And that blank note that you had, it reveals the password on it. Yeah, it was written in uh, invisible ink, so either lemon juice or piss. Yep, so <laughs> but somebody had a junior spy kit. They <laughs> snuck into the mine. Yeah. It's probably the 14-year-old that uh, Oh yeah. yeah, they came in and, uh, yeah, the child labor <laughs> yeah. side story to this. So. Yeah, <laughs> so uh, this gets you the password to go forward. Uh, when I was reading about this game, there were, like they mentioned some kind of note or log that was found in here that was notable. From the Xeno mm -hmm. team, I guess I didn't find it. Do you do you know what that was? I don't remember. Yeah, like it, it all kind of runs together. To be fair, like you, mm -hmm. know, you get a lot of notes in this. Yeah, yeah. So I have kind of the things I know about the Xeno team, but I don't remember where they came from. Yeah, oh. uh, but as you're headed out with the code to go forward, Red radio radios you and says like, "Hey, there's a dangerous place ahead that you should not go, even on your holidays." <laughs> Um, and he gives a pro tip, just kind of like a little bit of a life hack here. Should you turn peckish, rat is at its finest, sautéed with a little engine oil. I like the idea of Red and Spider Guy setting up two competing food carts across yeah. from each other. Yeah, that'd be great. Like starting a blog, yeah. <laughs> you know, like of like it's 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 ostensibly recipes, but each of them begins with like a you know two thousand word essay about the concept of summer. Yep. And it's unreadable. <laughs> yep. The, uh, when, when, when in reality, like, what I want is a list of ingredients and cooking times. Yeah. 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 I, I, I hate. Yeah. Um, <laughs> move, move, <laughs> I hate. Yeah. Moving on. Yeah, the, uh, yeah. Moving on. Uh, turning yeah, to, uh, to chapter four here. Yeah. But, but that that shit. So I have an instant pot, you know, to like a, like a pressure mm -hmm. cooker, trend, trendy slow cooker kind of thing. Um, there, there, there does not exist a plain, simple list recipe for those. Like all of them are all, you know, just like just long stories about like, Oh, I'm so, I love my kids so much and I don't have time. Like, yeah. hey, tell me how to make the fucking pork. I wish that there was, um, because I understand there, there being a, not being like a strong outlet for food writing. Yes. Like an essay about food is something that has value. It's not for me, but I get that it exists. Right. Mm -hmm. And like, maybe those should have a recipe at the bottom because it'd be a little weird to like, I wrote this essay about the squash soup. And I'm not going to tell you how to make it. That's yeah. weird. Just separate that shit out, though. Like, don't make that on my recipe page. <laughs> like, that shouldn't be the first Google result for what, how do I prepare an acorn squash? Right. You know, like, it just, it just, I just, I'm not, I'm never going to be interested in how much somebody loves their kids, uh -huh. period. And I'm not going to be interested in, like, whether you can sneak broccoli into a cookie <laughs> to do it or whatever, like, any of these essays. Yeah. Like, it is so fucking obnoxious. It's the food version of the video the walkthrough. Oh, yeah, yeah. 
You know, like it's just like just give me the information in the most efficient. Like put this in a fucking pill <laughs> I can take and then immediately know it. I have a bag you know? of lentils that needs to be inside of my body, and I need to find a pleasant way to make that happen. Yeah, I do not like do not make this work for me. It's mm-hmm. not. I'm not going to become a fan of your personality mm-hmm. through this. I'm not going to follow your your cooking blog. It's just like, you know, and for people who do that. You know, God, some if people like it, but just like make it decouple those two ideas, yeah. please. Hmm. So obnoxious. I've been I've been doing a produce delivery again to like eat, you know to eat healthier and also you know just eat make myself eat vegetables because I hate wasting food. Right, eating a lot of vegetables. So I've been like experimenting a lot of things, doing a lot of things that I haven't uh, had to do before, and I've just I'm just knee deep in that shit. Oh, like yeah. I was like, oh, I'm gonna prepare an acorn squash. I've never done that, mm-hmm. and look it up, and they're all just like you know. Webster's defines acorn squash as, like, <laughs> fuck you. Like, just, like, God, where do I cut? What do I add? How long to bake? <laughs> it's basically like, I need to know if there's any way I can make this poison. Like, like yeah, exactly. How do I, yeah, how do I eat this and not, can I eat the skin? And then <laughs> yeah. I have to Google that and it's like the fourth result down on a Quora post. Yeah. And like, why is this getting harder? How is this yeah. getting worse? <laughs> <laughs> like, uh. Entropy, like it, it, it's it's entropy, and yeah, the, the, the eventually we just die from not too much like information, like not being able to tell the the actual relevant information mm-hmm. from from the false information. Yeah, the thing is, we're training AIs on this corpus, so they're going to fall into the same patterns and make it even worse at an accelerating scale. Mm-hmm. Hmm. This is indeed a disturbing universe. Yeah. Um. Yep. So, chapter four. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, moving on. Chapter four. Uh, Red radios me saying like, "Hey, I'm near the I'm near the site of his last meals." Um, he says like, "Hey, there's a, there's an area that has this watery floor that is not quite as stable as it seems." And this is where he comes real clean about the time that he dined on biped. Is how yeah, he specifically to... biped. Yeah, yeah, which is pretty you know good detail good word choice <laughs> it's a, a good example of using an unusual word to like draw attention yes you know uh, just like it, it's a, dis, a dysphemism right yeah like oh you like you 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 thought you were making that more palatable but no you just you just made it more upsetting to me actually yeah yeah yep, yep. um but no he says like he says hey i i you know don't worry i'm not crazy i'm not gonna kill you i waited until he was good and stinky before it happened he was quite pungent at the time yeah yep yep yeah yep yep um, so you move on, you move over to, uh, to chemical storage. We get another worm chase. Mm. Um, so you have to kind of go by and close this hatch behind you. Um, and then there is this like pool of green acid that you can jump on crates yeah. into. It's very half-life. Yeah. Uh, and you eventually, uh, as you do this, you can pull the ceiling down on it to stop the worm from chasing yeah. you. This is, this is really good. Uh, a good panic moment, uh, because the thing is all sure to like be right at your ankles when you're doing yeah. this and like, quickly using the combat interface to attack this pillar to bring the ceiling down uh, is just unwieldy enough to make it feel like you're, you know, to make you want to hold your breath while you're doing it. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Um, good chase. Very good. Yep. Um, here, here in storage, you find these six chemicals, the different, these different bottles uh, w- w- that are all labeled with individual notes, uh, like individual letters. Um, I think maybe they are the chemical symbols or just the first letter of the chemical name, uh, along with a note that says, warning, badly administered dopamine clouds frequently everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, frequently everything. Yeah, so. <laughs> yes. oh, they're all is aching. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, that's like a code that tells you like what order these uh, these things should be in. That doesn't end up factoring in, so I don't know what they're getting at with this. 
Yeah, yeah, I don't I, I'm not sure. I just assume that it was hinting that the person was being affected mm. by such clouds when when they wrote it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if that's actually true, but that's what it felt like to me. Yeah. But the first letter of each of those words lines up with the different chemicals that you grabbed. You have yeah. a D, you have a C, an F, and an N, stuff like that. Yeah. Um, which it feels very resident evilly mm-hmm. to me. Um you next uh, you head to this lake, there's a frozen lake underground, uh Lake Atukok. Uh, where you, uh, you find this backpack on the ice, you know, somebody is, is dead there and you find this note from somebody named Joe Freeman. Uh, you also get his, his crowbar. So that's, that's a, that's a Easter egg. You know, it knows when it's half-lifing. Yes. Um, you find out, you know, his partner, Jono went, uh, through this ice and came back raving mad. Right. Um, so during the attack, they, they broke through the ice and fell into this freezing lake. Uh, Joe is freezing death on the one side, killing himself with painkillers while Jono rants and raves on the other. Grievously injured. Like, it's a sad little short story. Yeah, yeah. Just like, like this guy on the other side, just like Jack Torrance, just like yelling and like ripping at himself. Um, yeah. Obviously out of his mind on whatever is happening down here. Um, there's a very, uh, let's say, eloquent dis- description of what it's like to die in freezing water in this yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah. It's a lengthy note. Uh, <laughs> you know, it, it, it kind of defies belief. That somebody would write this while they were, you know, out of their minds, out of their mind on painkillers and freezing to death, but it's there. Um, but this is, uh, you know, you, you find the backpack on the bloody ice, but there is no body. That is because Red ate this guy after he yeah. sat for a while. Yep, yep. Um, and got pungent. Yeah. <laughs> this is a cool thing. And there's a hint about this, um, because Joe says, yeah, like Jono, he could cross the ice by distributing his, by distributing his weight. Uh, but he is in no state of mind to do that. Like, you know, this is, this is a time where his, where his anger and his unreasonableness actually works in my favor because I can die in peace, you know, not being ripped limb from limb by my former partner. Right. right? right. Um, and this is a cool puzzle. You can take your pickaxe to a shack. And get uh, kind of these two planks to make a uh, kind of a snake bridge out of to cross this frozen lake. Mm-hmm. You don't have to though, right. which is this is another one of those physics things because the way the lake kind of articulates is that as you walk forward, parts of it will break in front of you. Mm-hmm. So if you walk very slowly, which is uh, and you can kind of jump from platform to platform mm. as long as you move across slowly, you know, at the right speed. If you go too slow, you're, the part you're on will sink. But this is something where you can do, you can create the bridge. I think that's what it wants you to do, but you don't have to. Yeah. Because, you know, physics-based games like this have this, this sense of being real, you know, like there are multiple ways to get across this one, this puzzle yeah. as well. Yeah. Just cool. Um, um, yeah. So you get, eventually when you get over to the other side, that's how you, when you actually get the crowbar. Um, it's, it's held, you know, and uh, you have to actually saw off this frozen hand to get it, which so is grizzly and great. Yeah. yeah. Well, like the, the, the arm is kind of like bursting triumphantly from the ice. Like, he's like, oh, I need to make sure this crowbar doesn't freeze before I die. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, very good. This ends up being useful. Opens a few doors for you. Um, and then you have to cross your way back, um, to get into the incinerator, uh, which you can open up with a crowbar. This is actually where red is. Like you see the big blocked passageway, uh, that has imprisoned red. Um, mm-hmm. and he even, you know, messages you to the effect, like he's about to give up hope because, you know, it kind of reveals even if it isn't, you know, clear before that, like he, you know, he has never heard from you. He just kind of knows he knows you're around because he can hear the sounds from from up in the mine, uh, but he has no idea where you are or exactly what you are doing. Yeah, yep, yep. Um, so we we had to blow up that wall to get to him. Uh, there. So we go to that chemical mixing room as we mentioned. Yeah. Um, uh, crossing over this unnatural like void with these crazy pillars sticking up and yeah. plant bridges and such. Uh, and then we do our Resident Evil mixing chemicals 
mm-hmm. puzzle. There's a, in the explosives manual, there's this, this poem that talks about this uh, that we can use to create this. It's like called like Armstrong's liniment or something like that. Yeah. You know, something like that. It's got, it's one of the things that we didn't use earlier. Right. Um, so we had to carefully bring that back to the cave-in. <laughs> it, it's, you know, it's notable in that manual because it says there is no, like, there is no, appli- there is no reasonable application for this. Like, this yeah. is just a little bit of, like, theory that they put into this practical manual saying this is way too unstable for any industrial use. Yep. But we're going to prove them wrong. <laughs> uh, you know, we head back and we're able to clear this, this path, uh, showing this door with this light under it. But yeah. we can't open this. Right. Um, when you're, when you're on your way back, if that, um, if you, if you set down the beaker full of the stuff, or if you knock it against a bridge or against a wall or a door, then it explodes and you die. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So yeah, it's one of those things. Yes. Be super careful. But yeah. Um, when you get there, um, you, once you get there, there, you can go to the incinerator where Red is actually speaking from mm-hmm. inside this machine. They do the thing that, um, uh, like system shock does or things where, where you're going to have another human being mm-hmm. just like, don't show them. Yeah, yeah. You know, because the engine wasn't going to be able to do it and make this person look good. Right. You know, so just, so just show, you know, have them speak from behind a door the entire time. That's a good call. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, but he says like, oh, you know, like, oh, you came, you're, you're so pretty, but I've been bad. Um, yeah. you know, he's speaking nonsense at this point. Like that, like the gist is they, you know, something that is in his head commanding him will not let him die. Uh, yeah, he no- keeps trying to kill himself and it says that it's against the rules yes you know for that and that ends up becoming that like actually plays off in the, the second game you find out mm-hmm. you know what the rules are essentially yeah uh, in the second game yeah so because he cannot self-terminate he is in the incinerator begging you to kill him yeah um specifically so you can take his place he says as replacements go you shall be admirably abnormal um so yeah. he is a placeholder he is here guarding something and there's yep. a one and, uh, in one out policy. Yep. Yeah, exactly. It's a, it's like a, uh, photo booth. <laughs> um, so, so he has this key with him, you know, so you need to kill him to take it. Uh, you press the button and it, they make you sit with the screams and stuff and him trying to get out. Yeah. Essentially like, you know, you just have to sit there and listen to this thing you did. Yeah. Well, and he's like, he's, you know, he, he says like, no matter how, no matter how much I scream, no matter how much I beg, do not open this door. You do what he asks you to. And he's like screaming and banging against the side of the incinerator. Like it is truly gut wrenching sound design. Yeah. 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 It's uh, it's pretty tough and you just have to sit with it. It takes a while, mm-hmm. you know, and you just have to wait for the process to end. Yeah. Um, uh, I, I think this is really good because mm-hmm. right from the moment you grab the ashes or even examine them, um, all of the different possibilities about what Red's motives were or whether or not he was for or against you collapsed down to this extreme sense of pathos um, mm-hmm. to where, like, this is a truly regrettable thing. Like, you're, we're going to find out a lot about Red in these next few minutes that make him a really tragic figure. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it, it, I almost like, like a, not to, to rephrase your thing, but it, it's not that all of him collapses, like that potential of him collapses here. Mm-hmm. It's that you go from, you could reasonably feel very ambivalent here. Yeah. Because he, he's been a real mixed bag. Yeah, yeah. As a guy, and it was a mercy killing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you get the, the actual, like, no, you know, this wasn't his fault. Like, what's here is bigger than that. Like, then you get the recontextualization right yes. afterwards. Yeah, yeah. So, like, as, it's, it's playing with what the player had felt. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, as, as a game player, yeah. you are being put through annoying tasks, and you could be <laughs> thinking about all the times you had to reload in the spider tunnel. Yeah. At this point. And then you actually, get forward yeah. and be like, Oh, you know, that's actually just part of the grander threat. Yeah. You know, that's not this individual agent. That's the thing I'm here to, 
to deal with. That's what I mean when know? I say it collapses. It's like all, yeah. like all of that comes down to the, you know, like comes down to one particular thing when the truth is revealed, you know, every, every yeah. everything is set into a new context. And even like down to the uh, voice of the narrator, we never really got a lot of Philip's opinion on much of anything besides what buttons will do. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, this is the first time we really get an editorial about how he feels about red. Like when you pick up the ashes, he says like, Oh, you know, here lies the remains, you know, ashes, all the remains of my only friend down here. Yeah. Yep. So like just, even if the person was, was a mixed bag, like just having somebody, you know, having somebody to whistle in the dark essentially yeah. was valuable. And now you don't have that uh, as a player as well. Right. You know, there's not very much game left, but you do not have somebody talking to you and it makes it lonelier and scarier. Yeah. Um, after you went with this key, you can go into Red's room. Um, you hear this whispering again and there's crazy writing on the walls and we learn about Red. Yeah. Um, there's a note, uh, that is written by one Tom Redwood. So he wasn't just doing an extended Shawshank thing. Um, mm. and it's a letter that he's writing home. You know, it's a letter I'll never get to send. Um, <laughs> but he's writing about the ceiling collapse. It was written in 1970. This game takes place in 2001. Um, mm -hmm. Tom, when he wrote this letter, he was 14. He was here working to send money back to his family. Yeah. Yeah. But it's just a sad thing. Like he was a kid. Yeah. You know, he has a, yeah. And that's, he, he that's why he's so weird. Not just because, you know, of, of what's going on physically with him or whatever's going on down here. He's just been isolated from everybody with nothing but his books forever. Yeah. So, you know, for, for 30 years, you yeah. know, not 30 years, uh, for, uh, 31 years, many, uh, 31 years. Yeah. So, you know, he's, uh, you know, you, you kind of read about him, you learn about that origin. Um, you learn about what happened, like when he got trapped, mm -hmm. you know, after the, after the incident, he has no food. Um, there are creatures and he's like, Oh, these are, these are better as his friends than his lunch. Like, I don't want to, to kill, you know, the animals around here. Cause I, I know that loneliness is going to be a thing. Mm -hmm. You know, his radios and his books, he's reading over and over and you see the little details of his life. Like he's got pinups, yeah. you know, around. Uh, there and you imagine those start up as pinups and eventually uh he there are pictures pasted over the faces yes you know he has and like yeah. you you find you find his toilet you see that he like actually was eating the slugs like he eventually that broke down yeah. and he ended up doing it yeah like you know? he started like raising them and rationing them he has the slugs yeah. in the cage yeah yeah um and also like inside of his bathroom there is a noose that is hung up and there's a chair underneath it you can tell that he got like right up to the to the point where he would where he would kill himself um, mm -hmm. but whatever was inside of his head would not let him do it. I like to think that like the, the turn galt or whatever that, you know, the thing that's in his head, mm -hmm. uh, at that point, like that's when it came in, you mm. know, cause I, I, I think it's scarier if he wasn't immediately infected Yeah, by that thing. Like he spent a long, you know, there's a lot of time just being isolated. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and shit. Um, pretty great. You know, just like, it just, again, a very tragic figure, you know, uh, very, very sad life and yeah. gives you a real sense of the stakes, yeah. um, for the series. You know, once you learn what these things are. Um, you know what they're doing. It's like, well, this, this is evil. Yeah. This is fucked up. It's really a fucked up thing to do. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I also love that his weirdness is not just because of what he's infected with. Um, yeah. I, I like that, you know, like you see that he has these books laid around and they make specific references to like Shakespeare and Bronte and stuff like that. Like he was obviously, he had higher ambitions than working in a mine, you know, so as a precocious young, teenager who brought all these books in uh you know to as he was making money for his family that explains like his strange manner of speech because yeah. that is all he really had to keep him company was you know these florid books from the from the 1800s and earlier um yeah yeah uh, it's just great like uh, like he is so incredibly well drawn yeah really really great like definitely standout character and it, it's i love that there's just really the one 
Yeah. You know, like he's the character, like your main character is a cipher. Your dad, you don't get a lot about your dad in this. It's just really a game about one character. Mm -hmm. Like this is really Red's story. Yeah. You know, and it's a lot of the greatest media I think uh, succeeds based on that. Yes. You know, like make your story not about the protagonist. Mm -hmm. You know, like we talked a lot about in Witcher 3 about how that's really series story. Yeah. You know, when you're just kind of a part of it, um, an important part of it. And Geralt's great on his own, but it's really series story. Yeah. And I think that's a just a really, you know, resonant, cool, like, idea. You know, that, that helps a lot. Agreed. Um, we're almost at the end here. Like again, like this this game will just literally, just really literally ends. Um, so there's an electrical panel you have to get through. You cut the lines to, which I would never do in a million years. Right. Seems like you just die. Um, this is where I would die in real life if I was playing this through. But it, it uh, cuts the power. Look at me, I have Homer Simpson. That's exactly what it feels like to me. It's like you're just going to immediately die uh, from this. Yeah. Continue. Um, I'm sorry. I no, no, it's okay. It's yeah. It's just a. Um, so you get through and you you uh, you're in this hallway. You get this. Uh, this text box and it's a continuing the opening letter that you got from your dad. Yeah. Um, you know, you're, you're, you are, uh, and you are, feel the sense of being torn into, you know, you regret opening the door, you know, because, uh, you probably, you know, this unknown, whatever's happening is scarier. Yeah. We well, know what like, happened. To th this is written. Like he's, he's writing yeah. it after, he know, like after he has gone through what he goes through in, yeah. the next, in the next couple of games. Um, you know, said so like, you man, I, I would trade, I would trade what I've gone through for red's fate, you know, a thousand times over before I did this. But at that moment, you know, it was, it was a choice between the unknown or never finding out what my dad was hiding from me. Yep. And I have to know. Um, so you go in, there's a spiral staircase downward. This is very um, modern too. It's like, it's got electric lights and everything. Yeah. Like this is well kept. It's, you know, it's a little bit like finding a, finding a vault underneath. Yep. Uh, yeah. Yep. Um, and you find that there's a thing that says, welcome to the shelter established 1973. Um, there are different like strata here. It's like a population. There's the elevated cast. Chief staff, lower cast, and temporary. And the total population is 57. It's like, what the fuck is that? No. You know, that's, this is not based on a nation that we know, you know? <laughs> um, uh, and there's a list of different staff members, like the people who are in important roles. Um, and the different dates, you know, extend. There are a few ranges. It mentions a few of them that are deceased and who their successors were. However, one that has been there the entire time is somebody named Howard Lafresque. He is their chief translator. He's been there from 1973 to present and we think okay well when that could, when could that be that could be anytime no it was actually written a year ago up the present is a year ago yeah um and it yeah. says so this, is, this is still operational so those things that happened you know in the 70s like all these people who were here when this stuff was happening while red was upstairs mm -hmm. you know go, going slowly insane they just kind of let that happen yeah like all the horrors and stuff you see not you know his is the main one but then like spider-man and all those people <laughs> who, who you know who got uh who went through this misery were just left to do so so. <laughs> Please have your identity documents ready. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Um, so you get to, you get down to the bottom of the stairs. You get to this hallway. There's a man standing at the end of it who's uh, missing an arm. Mm -hmm. It's real scary. And he's just standing there. Yeah. Standing um, and you staring. Move, standing and staring. You move towards him, and before you get you get knocked out. Yeah. Uh, you get you get get clubbed over the head. 
Um, and you get the message with that. The man who first descended into the mine was no more. And so began my next chapter. Yeah. I love that. that as you, this game, so. I love it as you approach the banks of the light go out, um, yeah. from the far end toward you. So like yep. you are walking, you know, like, like you and the darkness are encroaching on each other and like right yeah. when you meet, that's where you're wanged over the head with a shovel. Um, and this is the end of the thing. It makes me kind of wish, like, I'm fine that we're not doing this and we might do later entries in the series later, but mm-hmm. if like Penumbra Month would have been cool. It would have, yeah. Like just following the series. Like, you know, we didn't, didn't think about that when we were talking about Indie Horror Month and I'm mm-hmm. excited about the other things we're going to do, but that would have been neat. Yeah. Cause this does make me want to re-experience Black Plague. Um, um, it makes me want to experience it. This is fucking great. It's cool. Yeah. And it's, and it is, you know, I complained a lot about Clancy, but it's not uncool. Like it's you exploring this, this, uh, complex mm-hmm. and this complex, this, this whole, you know, the, the shelter is really interesting yeah. Um, as a thing. And it's where this stops feeling like uh, quite as much of an homage. Like yeah. the beginning of this is very at the mountains of madness, you know, uh, expedition kind of doomed yeah. in the Arctic feeling. And this, that's where I feel like it starts getting kind of its own identity Yeah. Um, as a horror thing. Like we didn't get there in this episode, but I think that is, uh, this is a great setup for that. Yeah. You know, like this, this is if, even if I hadn't already, like when I first played this, this made me want to immediately start playing the next one, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. So, yeah. And that's uh that's Penumbra Overture. Yeah. Um, I like it quite a bit, you know, and yeah. I've just recently, um, you know, even in the past like month or so played through Amnesia and a machine for pigs again, uh, on, on stream about a year ago, I did Soma on stream as well. So I've got a lot of frictional stuff, very, very fresh in my head, mm-hmm. um, it's 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 amazing how they kind of established so much so early, and figured out what the, if not what their voice would be at least what their uh, what their framework would be, yeah, and how how they have successfully iterated on it, um, mostly su- successfully um, throughout. There's plenty to recommend this, even if it does feel early and somewhat unformed. Um, just so much of the tone and so much of the writing, and even just um, experiencing the particulars of Red's accidental poetry. Um, mm-hmm. are worth the price of admission. The price of admission being, oh, you probably got a, you probably got a humble bundle 10 years ago that had this. Um, and do you have six hours to just kind of like, you know, go through and see it? Yeah. And it's, it's so cheap. Yeah. You know, even if you didn't do that, like you can, you can just play it. Yeah. It's also something if, if, if it sounds like we're signing, you know, to play this is signing up for a three game series, you know, mandatorily. It really isn't like, no, no. This is a cool mystery for this to end on. Mm-hmm. Like if this had been a short story and he had just found this weird complex, mm-hmm. that would, that's a fine ending for a short story to me yeah. as well. You know, like it, it's, it does stand semi alone. Yeah. Uh, you know, it depends on how much you care about loose ends, but like this as a mystery is very cool Yeah, and that it feels good to chew on it. Yep. And, and as, as, especially as red story, well, you know, when yeah. you figure out that it is not about Philip and it is not about yep. his kind of cliched Lovecraftian journey into madness, you know, looking at things that he oughtn't. Um, and it's more about this person who is, you know, thrust into this inescapable, inescapable gatekeeper role. Um, yeah. that, that is where it ultimately, that, the, that, that I think is the context in which this, this ending can be viewed most favorably if you decide not, yeah. not to go on. I think so too. And if you continue the story, um, the impact of Red, like the same way that I, th- you know, we both think it's really cool from a player impacts the character as well. Yeah. Like he shows, uh, he is in the personal mythology of the protagonist in later games. Yeah. So, um, yeah, very good. I'm really happy to revisit it. Um, like for my, like, I love this company like a lot. Like I, for me, it is, they are really consistent. Yes. You know, people like, you know, I, the, uh, I'm very excited to know what they, they do next. Yeah. It has to be, you something. know, it's, yeah, I mean, it'll, it'll very least be worth playing. Like, I think these guys are great. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, so that's a welcome to Indie Horror Month. Um, <laughs> that's that's a number. Um, next episode, we are going to be doing a series of kind of like a you know a, a, a little EP on several different short horror games. Yeah, uh, we should talk about the particulars of that for people who are curious. Yeah, yeah. So, and we didn't really mention them before because we weren't totally sure, but we we have them down now. Yeah. Um, so we are doing a Lost Constellation, which is the uh, it's not even a prequel; it's a supplemental work mm-hmm. to um, the third game we're doing this month, which is Night in the Woods. Mm-hmm. Um, we are doing uh, I'm Scared, which is all one word. Yep. Um, which is a uh, Have you started playing that? Cool. No, I've not. Okay, I don't want to mention anything about it, but it is a it is another it is another type of you know the same way this is a template for a type of indie horror mm-hmm. that also feels like a template. Yeah, for a type of indie horror that is very popular right now. Nice. Yep. Um, um, yeah. And then uh, we, you know, <laughs> this episode is kind of based around us wanting to talk about Katie Horror Show, uh, particularly from her output. We want to talk about uh, Haunted Cities One and Two. Yes, uh, so which are of, both are two compilations. Yes. Um, the cool thing about doing those, like, not only do they kind of have Kitty Horror Show values, um, but they also are the things that explicitly they put out to be samplers yeah. of the values. Like, those are free um, on itch.io, and they are just short experiments and kind of embody the another aspect of indie horror, which is the like, what if you're in a spooky low res place? Mm-hmm. Um, none of those games have. I mean, they have goals but they don't have ends and beginnings in a traditional sense. Right. Right. Um, you know, they are, what if you're in a place mm-hmm. and that place is really interesting. Yeah. Uh, and we will talk about those places. Exercises and atmosphere and geometry, I think is, yes. is, is what she excels at. Yep. Yeah. Indeed. Um, and then is that everything? That's everything. Oh, daddy's long, long legs. Oh yeah. Yeah. Shit. shit. Yeah. It's not everything, um, which is a <laughs> twine game. Again, another, you know, Doing a Twine game for the show is good because that is a great game engine. There's lots of cool stuff being done in it. Mm-hmm. Um, everyone who's listening to this needs to play that. Yeah. It takes about a half hour and it's awesome. I replayed <laughs> it and I'm like, this is extremely good. Yeah. Um, so that is, uh, you know, that's easily Googleable and it's something you play in your browser. Nice. Um, very, very good. So yeah, we'll be talking about all those. And then after that, as we mentioned, Night in the Woods. If you have anything to say about any of the games we're covering this month, um, hit us up at duckfeed.tv slash contact by the 15th. Yes. Um, if you have things to say to, if you have things to say about multiple games, um, I know this is a pain. Please separate them. Uh, that mm-hmm. makes it easier to file and, uh, kind of distribute. So if it's a choice to have, uh, kind of equal amounts of discussion about, uh, particular games, it's just, it's just easier to sequence them. So you're making our jobs easier. Yeah. Yep. And it's, it's, you know, it's, it's a pain, but also you just write a paragraph, submit, reload, write a paragraph. Like it's, it's going to be two clicks. Yeah. For you, for you. So when we say a pain, Two clicks. Yeah. You know, um, the, uh, so you also, if you have anything to say about we're covering November, hit us up by November 15th. And that is the Witcher three, uh, the final DLC for it, blood and wine mm-hmm. and, uh, Hellblade. Hellblade. Sinuous, sinuous, sinuous sacrifice. Yes. Yes. And uh, so we will be covering in November. Mm-hmm. Um, so hit us up with those thoughts as well. If you like the network, the best thing you can do is support us on Patreon. Mm-hmm. Go to patreon.com slash duck feed TV. Yeah. Um, you can uh, give us just a couple bucks a month. And uh, if you do so, um, you get cool rewards. Yeah. Um, From uh, the ability to participate in polls like this uh, episode was, you know, the topic for this episode was chosen by one of those polls Um, Mm -hmm. all the way up to like dictating the topics of episodes or even months. Um, Or guesting on an episode. Yeah. Yeah. Which, uh, which can happen. And that can happen for this show and for abject suffering, Mm -hmm. um, which is the, uh, you know, you should listen to that show. Um, The, if if you don't, uh, that's good. The, um, 
Yeah, so you you get a lot of cool things in in return, and uh, you know most of all you support us, which we really appreciate. We work really hard, and uh, it's what allows us to keep doing it. Yes, you know, so um, just even a little bit of money makes a big difference. Mm-hmm. And it's not just supporting the show; it's supporting the entire network of shows. Gary, do you have a show of yours that you want to uh, tell the nice people about? Yeah, sure. Um, you know, it's it's probably uh, been a a bit since I talked about it, but you should listen to uh, everything to Guppy mm-hmm. and Will Hughes. Going item by item through the Binding of Isaac. Um, it comes out four times a week. It's short. Mm-hmm. The episode's about 10 minutes long. And uh, it's a real fun goof fest. We're idiots. <laughs> like, it's really dumb. It's extremely dumb. It's like a new floor for dumb, which is good. <laughs> yeah. Like, all of the shows that I'm on are dumb to a degree. This is probably the least dumb. <laughs> and then they get more dumb, you know, as they go. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> Please. If you think, if you think us saying something as dumb as a, uh, is, is an insult, um, you know, know us very well. Dumb fun. Yeah. Dumb fun. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I'd love for you to check out, uh, let's say the level. Uh, oftentimes we get people saying, Oh my gosh, I want to hear so and so. I want to hear them talk about X game that came out recently. Um, it, that is a show that I do with some, uh, some friends of mine. Uh, it is part of the kind of a classic template for video game discussion panel show kind of things. We have a little bit of a little bit of news. We have the things that we've been playing over the past period of time or so. Um, and we also mix in a lot of, uh, um, listener, uh, interaction kind of things. We, we do listener mail in kind of a different way that I think uh, that I haven't really seen, um, in a lot of other places. So yeah, the level it's been going for a long time and it's a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Check it all out. And there's, there's a bunch of shows too. Yeah. So if those ones wet your whistle, you just go to duckfeed.tv and see a whole bunch of different, different podcasts. Good stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that's probably about it. Uh, ratings, reviews, uh, telling people about it on blogs, going to duckfeed.tv slash store. Those are all useful things. Um, if you're hearing this, there's still time to come see us at Portland Retro Gaming Expo mm-hmm. on the weekend of the 20th, uh, where we will be talking about uh, Smash Brothers and kind of more broadly, um, you know, playing games in an unintended way, uh, you know, specifically Smash Brothers as a single player experience mm-hmm. and what it is and ways you can enjoy games played wrong. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. It'll be a good time. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah so until next time, what should they watch out for? Um, they should watch out for inferior spider and rat cooking websites. Uh, that is why we have started rat feed spider world, no. rat feed hyphen spider world dot TV, a duck feed dot TV subsidiary. Mm-hmm. I would eat a rat. Like if I, if it was properly prepared, they don't see why not. Like in a desperation situation, or well, absolutely. But I, I think even in like a, <laughs> you know, even in a, just kind of a like you know, if I'm in another country and they you know they eat rats, or if like um you know somewhere is just kind of like yeah you know like like it was safe if it wasn't like eating a possum. 
You know, yeah. it wasn't just a disease nightmare. And just like, yeah, the, the, why not? I only would eat like those rats on the cob that they show, like on a spit. Yeah. Or just yeah. the whole rat. But if somebody had just like taken some meat from a rat. Yeah. And cooked yeah. it into something like some rice or something. Sure. Yeah. The dude, do, do, I mean, like, uh, you know, people eat squirrel, you know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Greasy and stringy is my understanding of that meat. Well, you got to stew but it the, uh, is the thing, you know? Yeah. yeah. But, uh, still like, it's like, I don't know. I talked about this before. It's arbitrary which animals we eat. Yeah. You know? Mm. So, uh, yeah. I know right. no, no judgment. That's a cultural wouldn't concept. What's that? No, wouldn't, wouldn't eat spider. Yeah, no. I, you know. No exoskeletons. I can't even eat soft-shelled crab. I can't. Like I, no, no exoskeletons. I get, Gary, can't, I can't figure out. So, I, so, so it's 2018. Is this the year where we get the think piece about how we should get rid of the penny? Or is it the year where we, where we get the think piece about how eventually all of us will get most of our protein from bugs? I, the, the second one's already happened a whole bunch. This so year, that, though? That's all. Because like, yeah. it's on a cycle. Like I forget which is odd yeah. and which is even. No, yeah, although I've seen a bunch of it. Okay. So, like, because I follow those animal groups on Facebook, a bunch of, like, the one that's, for some reason, the one for snakes ends up being the kind of, like, clearing house for anything that is considered gross. That makes sense, uh, yeah. You know? So the uh, people put a bunch of different, um, you know, people to do insects and stuff. There's a, in Wisconsin, there's actually a carnival where they serve um, bugs in carnival food ways. And their signature item is they take a pretzel rod, they dip it in marshmallow fluff and then roll it over a variety of ants. Mm, that'd be sour. Uh, apparently, it's it's very unusual. Like it depends. Mm. Like it's, it's like the, the different ants in different like you know states of growth or what their diet was and everything. Like the the flavor apparently varies a lot. Mm. But they uh, they specialize in edible bugs. Nice. So I've definitely seen the, like the little weird little three minute documentary on those. Yeah. Um. Yeah. It's it's bug year. <laughs> it's bug year. So, Yep. It's, it's a bug's life and we're just living yeah. it. Yeah. Well, I'll just hold on, hold on to my pennies and get rid of them when I read that medium post next year. So yeah, just, we'll just wait for it. Millennials are killing the penny industry.